love sitting around a ping pong table. It's the the old tradition mm-hmm. where we gather around the ping pong table. Well, it's the new tradition. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the new, it's the new tradition. <laughs> we're taking we're we're breaking down nets every I was week. Say, yes. I'm glad the net is we're still there. Oh God, it's seen better days. Whoever had this out the last time when they shut it. They didn't, um, that got folded in, so it's just completely bent. And now I don't want to tell Adam that that happened. Yeah. Not our fault, no, Adam, if you're listening. We didn't do this. I promise you, Gorski, we take care of it. We even wipe it down. Wait, is this Adam Gorski's? This is Adam Gorski's. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, that was a, that was a surprise we were going we nice. to announce on the, oh, on wow. the cast. Spoiler alert. <clears throat> so we'll have him on at some point. And we'll, yeah, we'll he was it. supposed to be on two weeks ago. He unfortunately was unable to come on. And then this last week I had to miss the broadcast. So this is our first one in a couple of weeks. It's been it's been rough out there, man. Hmm. Yeah, extenuating circumstances. <laughs> Speaking of rough, apologies once again for my voice on this uh, podcast. I just spent three <laughs> days up north at a cabin, and uh, should be quiet, shouldn't it? Yeah, you'd think. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it was a, a bachelor party for a good friend of mine, and uh, it was great because everybody that was there was uh, everybody there was either married or engaged. Most of them had kids, so. We drank a lot more beer than we probably normally would, and we smoked a bunch of cigars, but then really all everybody did was relax. Go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got oh, up. I, I you know, we were up early just about every day. Uh, it, was, it was hilarious. So it was like we went to a bar once, and uh, we took a shuttle there, and he said, uh, you, you want me to pick you up uh, at like at bar close or at like 1 a.m.? And everybody at the same time was like, 1 a.m., please, please, please. And we still called him at midnight and yeah. made him come get us. Oh, you were, on Gull- you were up <laughs> on Gull Lake, night. weren't you? Yeah. I used to, my work used to go up there every August. I mean, last year we didn't, but I hope we get to go again. It's, for a it's so gorgeous up there. And like, that's, I, I hope, I, I don't know what it is like in, in the rest of the country, but for those of us that are fortunate enough to have quote unquote cabin country, mm-hmm. it really is to, the ability to lose the urban surroundings in a two hour drive. And just stare at nothing but yeah. forests and lakes. I mean, that's it's just perfect. And, you know, everybody just loosens up a little bit more. Even in the tensions that maybe you didn't know you had sitting on your shoulders, kind of relax. So I drove straight from there to here. So, nice. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think my voice is in a better place than, than it was a, a few episodes ago. So I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I was going to say, if you guys were going to bed early, how'd you lose your voice? Night terrors or something? Uh, I am not used to uh, multiple cigars. And that definitely oh, catches yeah. up. Okay. <clears throat> and we, uh, yeah, you usually smoke one at my house. I don't do more than one in a sitting. Yeah. And then we got into uh, last night slash yesterday. We had a, a bags tournament. And... Uh, let's just say the chirping was going. Mm -hmm. And then after that came story time. So we had a couple pretty big personalities that were holding court and telling the funniest stories of their lives. Cause I only knew two of the people that were there. So we were all just kind of getting to know each other. Really? uh, Yeah. They, we, we told a, we told a, told a few tales (laughs) and that much, uh, that much laughing mixed with friends. Yeah. Yeah. Some lifelong friends. And then here we are. But speaking of lifelong friends, Charles, (laughs) we should probably start a podcast. What do you think? Yeah. That's what we're here for. So I'm Ben Quam, and that would make you Charles Awad. Charles Awad. Holler. Uh, welcome yeah. back to those of you repeat listeners, yes. or welcome to those of you who are fresh because you just had mm-hmm. to start with these two amazing humans that mm-hmm. are sitting to uh, my left and Charles's front. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? Let, honestly, I want you to be talking right now. So let's get you guys in. Uh, will you please introduce yourself in no particular order and uh, kind of let people know what you've been up to? I'll go first then. I'm Rick. Uh, Rick Dodora. My business is Houndstooth. We are a hospitality concept that uh, is 
hopefully going to open in the Twin Cities pretty soon. We'll see. Um, just a lifelong chef, lover of fine food, lover of hospitality in general. Uh, part, a big part of our concept is to have hotel rooms, small hotel rooms, uh, probably about four to six, so that we can really bring people into our space um, and you know let them stay the night after they've had a few too many whiskeys at the bar. Um, outside of that, uh, Paige, go for it. Yeah, I'm Paige Dodoro. Uh, I am the other half of Houndstooth. Um, I come from more of a beverage background. I've been writing about beer since about 2012. Uh, worked at a specialty beer store and a little bit at a few breweries. Um, I've done a lot of beer teaching, beer classes. Um, and now with Houndstooth, I'm learning more about wine, more about cocktails. And when we do events, I'm usually coordinating the pairings. I'm kind of based off of Rick's um, flavor profiles and then helping out with service. Uh, so... One other thing about Houndstooth is that Rick and I actually met through Couchsurfing, so it's kind of like our little way of continuing our hospitality story by inviting people in to, to stay with us. Yeah, That's fantastic. Can I, can I ask a clarification question? Yeah. Uh, we had, uh, recently we had a guest on the podcast, Paul Hennessy, who talked a lot about that hospitality was really the focus of where he wanted the next steps of his life to go. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you, or for those people out there listening that may not understand, like kind of the general concept of what you're talking about, do you mind diving into that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a actually, I'll start with a quote. Um, if anyone's familiar with Wiley Dufresne, wonderful uh, New York-based chef, mad scientist, mad scientist. Yeah, <laughs> pushed the envelope a lot. Um, one of my best friends in Montreal, he used to have this magnet of a Wiley Dufresne quote on his sticker or on his uh, on his fridge, and it always resonated with me because all the quote was is. Um, all that matters is that a napkin shall remain on your lap. And basically that just encompasses like when you sit down at the table, you're taken care of. Like your water glass will be full, your cocktails are going to be there, your food's going to be delicious. Like you can sit down and you can just check out because the rest of your night is taken care of. And so for, for us, that's a big part of hospitality is anticipating folks' needs like you're you're just taken care of you know and and that will stretch into the into our hotel rooms as well in the sense that like you know we've uh, we've all had that time you know you stay in a hotel and it's like very impersonal very boring you're like yeah whatever it's just a place to put my head down but then sometimes you stay at a hotel and it's like there's these little touches that are just like wow how did they know that i would totally want to buy a mixtape for a dollar just because they have them here like that's that <laughs> and like our one of our biggest inspirations is Longman and Eagle in Chicago so they have the high-end whiskey bar with a restaurant um, that has or had a Michelin star and you wouldn't know that when you walk through the door there's not that same um, there's kind of not that like cockiness to it it's a little bit more um, they're very confident in what they do and the rooms are very small and you definitely don't have to stay if you're going to eat you don't have to eat if you're going to stay but if you do both it's a married concept and you get uh, a feel for it's kind of the gateway to Chicago and we want to be that gateway for people in Minneapolis uh, because when we've ho- hosted couch surfers we have encountered a lot of people who come to Minneapolis um, like not for vacation like they might be coming for work or to see other family or even to relocate and they don't know what tourism is in Minneapolis like they wouldn't know what to do to have fun and we like to be kind of those gatekeepers and, and um, send people out to have a good time and uh, we do that through rooms in our own house. So that's something we really enjoy. That's fantastic. I love that. Uh, 
obviously with our show, we like to have six shots and talk about six different topics. We should talk about what we're drinking today. What, uh, what did you two bring? Um, Rick, you want to go first with your choice? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, tequila that we just, it's our house tequila. Um, it's, I actually don't know. Would, yeah, it is tequila. It's tequila that basically tastes like mezcal. It's got a goat on it. It's either Cimarron or Chimarron. About 21 bucks a bottle. Great for mixing. Great for just drinking straight. Um, it's one of, one of our favorites. Like I said, it's, it is the house tequila that we all pretty much <clears throat> always have on stocks. It's just a good, easy tequila. Um, and then Paige brought... I picked out a liqueur um, because I was interested in the label and I wanted to bring something that I never had uh, to, so we can all experience it. It is a liqueur called Escubac that is allegedly tastes like a gin and tonic, but in liqueur form. So you wouldn't have to add anything more to it besides ice. It's from France. That's all I know. So something classic and then something that I don't think... I don't think any of us have had. (laughs) Yeah, then we had similar minds because I brought a bottle of uh, El Tesoro Reposado, which was a beautiful bottle of tequila that was uh, gifted to us by Melly Mrozak, former guest of the program. Shout out to my homegirl. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's hot as heck today and humid, and it's even hotter here in P&A Hall right now. So it's very much tequila weather. And this uh, sweet dram sounds like it's going to hit the spot with the warm weather as well. Yeah. And we're sipping on some beer too, Quam. Oh, yeah. Uh, as I've talked about a number of times on the podcast, I work for a brewery called Surly Brewing. And uh, we have 20 incredible women that work with us over there. And they got together on, um, on International Women's Day and they made uh, an IPA called Mansplain Survivors. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> it's, I, honestly, this is kind of kicking it right now. I love it. Nice little burst of hops. It's nice. pretty light. A little bit of, yeah, it's light. It's got some good citrus to it. Uh, cooled me off after uh, the, our guests came in with me as we uh, as I was walking in, and it was a, an oppressive yeah. heat when Just we got ascending upstairs. Ascending into the heat, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we should true. we should also, as always, thank the PNA for hosting us here. It's yes. not necessarily that they don't have AC; it's that currently uh, there aren't any events still. Things are being being planned and p- being scheduled right now. But right, we because, always walk into an empty building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they they don't have the AC on because there's no use in wasting the electricity. Well, it's and not there. it also got suddenly hot yeah, in yeah. Minneapolis. Yeah. As, as Minneapolis is wont to do. Plus, this place looks like a church, and I always start sweating when I walk into a church. So. <laughs> I get like a nice sizzle <laughs> going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, before we move along to our question, I, I'd like you guys to touch on the pop-ups that you recently did. Oh, yeah. And if you have any uh, news about forthcoming events as well. Yeah. Um, we actually just wrapped up a four-week um, dinner series at a new cocktail concept here in Northeast called Steady Pour. Mm. Um, Steady Pour is run by uh, uh, Jeff Seidenstricker, and he's kind of an industry veteran. Uh, he worked at Fulton, and he's done a bunch of cocktail stuff. And so the space is kind of like an event space, um, and it's it's really cool. I mean, I obviously want to shout out Steady Pour, like keep an eye on these guys because they're going to be doing some really cool events. Um, but, yeah, we did a series over there. It was really elevated, four courses, four pairings, like cocktail dinner, um, evolving menu every weekend was a different menu and it was pretty good like with covid we could do about 20 people in the dining room um and yeah we did 20 uh, most nights Mm -hmm. the first and the last weekend were sold sold out yeah first and last weekend were pretty nuts um and then upcoming is uh we actually have something really cool with arbiter brewing company which is um they're you know south minneapolis uh, wonderful brewery, wonderful people over there. Shout and out to Juno Choi, uh, future guest on the podcast. He's coming up later this it. summer. Nice. 
Yeah, we, uh, we, he wanted to do something with us for a while, and then we went and had beers with him and Kate and just kind of organically settled on brunch. We love brunch. Uh, we did a brunch pop-up a couple years ago at uh, Botany Coffee, R.I.P., um, and it was well, They're insane. not around, huh? Yeah. It, it was insane. I mean, we, we didn't, like, know what to expect, and it was, like, banging. Like, we sold out of all of our food. It was just it was yeah. nuts. So we started having this conversation, and then I think Juno was like, well, the farmer's market is starting up late June and, and into July. And so it's kind of a three-way collab between, like, Houndstooth, the Midtown Farmer's Market, and Arbiter Brewing. So we'll be utilizing the market to make the food, um, hopefully cooking at a Geek Love Cafe. Um, and then, yeah, people will be taking the food over to Arbiter at the patio and having some beers and maybe some, some beer mosas and stuff like that, too. Yeah, it's pretty pretty ideal setup, I would say. That's and exciting. we're, like, early brunchers, so we hope people get over there and see the market. And... I'm going to be earlier this time, too, because I did come to Botany for the brunch, and I missed a couple people menu items. People love waffles, but... God love them. You cannot make <laughs> yeah, enough yeah. waffle batter. I kept doubling the waffle batter, and we <laughs> ran out every time. That's yeah, you awesome. guys are a little bewildered, like, holy shit, we're out of, like, three things, and yeah. it's, I don't know. It was like 9.30 or 9.45. Yeah. Well, I was like, just give me what you have. <laughs> yeah, and, and something else interesting about that that I learned was there's a dish that I love having for brunch. Um, like, I, I come from the, if you put an egg on it, it's a brunch dish. Yep. Yeah. And, and this is just uh, sautéed green beans with shallots and garlic, a little bit of soy, a little bit of gochujang, super easy, poached egg on top. Mix it together. It kind of makes this nice saucy sort of thing. And I was like, I don't know, like, I put that on the menu. I'm like, that's, that's a for me item. That's, that's for me. And... People went crazy for it. People were like, I've never thought to eat sautéed green beans like like as a breakfast item. But I, I ordered it, and I loved it. I'm like, great. I, I, my mouth started salivating when you said that, and I just had that exact same experience going on in my head where I was like, how have I not done that? I've put hollandaise all over asparagus how many times? But, like, we just shift the two things slightly, and... I feel like an idiot, but now I'm really excited about it, it, that. You're right. It is a lot. Like, even visually, it's like having asparagus like that. But people, right. I think people struggle to incorporate vegetables into breakfast, whether they want to or they feel like they should. Or We get that question a lot of, like, mm-hmm. how, how do we get more vegetables in our breakfast? And, I, I even did have a fella at um, one of the nights at Steady Pour, and we were talking about our brunch. And he, he said straight up, he's like, I don't eat vegetables for breakfast. I, I wouldn't even consider eating a vegetable for breakfast, but he knew about that beans because someone else had mentioned it, and it's like, and he was like, I would totally eat that for breakfast. Like, All right, so those be- breakfast boundaries, you know. Sometimes you just gotta. <laughs> yeah, I think that just Americans have such a limited point of view of what breakfast is supposed to be. It's, it's farmers' breakfast, and we're not farmers in Minneapolis. So it's yeah. confusing when every breakfast point. menu is. You know, two eggs, two strips of bacon, butter toast, jam. And like a nap. It, yeah. So hash browns or breakfast potatoes. You know, it's always some combination of those factors. But I remember the first time I had fried eggs on rice and beans mm. and just being like, this is the most satisfying thing I've eaten in a long time. And it's comically simple. Why don't I do this all the time? So that's one of my favorite comfort foods, actually, for to make like an easy breakfast on the weekend if I've had a lot to drink the night before. Mm-hmm. Rice cooker, rice. Mm-hmm. Fried eggs, hot sauce. That's literally it. Just the runny egg in the rice with some hot sauce. Stupidly simple, but just like so satisfying. Like you just feel really good after that. Like, oh man. I don't We're know big if... shakshuka people. Oh yeah. That's that really what easy. I it's basically tomato sauce, whatever yeah. herbs you have in an egg. Yeah, for sure. And but there's it's variations so on it with different vegetables totally. in it. You know, eggplant yeah. and 
Yeah. You have no, peppers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I kick it up a little bit? I don't know if this is up your alley at all or not, but um, I, from when I worked at Show You, we had a similar item to that on our, our brunch menu because we all, every restaurant had to be open for breakfast at the airport. And so we had to, in a very, very small sushi show kitchen, we had to try and figure out like <laughs> things that we could do so that we had stuff. Don't do waffles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, um, a little bit of um, rice wine vinegar in there tossed around with the rice and then do the egg on top. It helps cut through how rich like the egg yolk can be. Mm-hmm. And I got obsessed with that flavor combination. And sure. I'm still it, like even hearing you talk about that. I was instantly back there hmm. just right. sitting in the morning trying to decide if this is really the job for me when I had to leave my house at 3.15 <laughs> yeah. in the morning. Oh my, gosh. oh, my gosh. And then going through security. Oh, and, oh man. Yeah. It, was, it was a grind. It Tempura was a grind. waffle? Not a bad idea. Tempura waffle. We like a good we'll savory waffle. Stuff in there. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's, like, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah savory, you could do mixed veg. Savory waffle. I mean, that's like, mm-hmm. that's totally my jam. I'm, I'm not much yeah. for sweets. I don't, I don't do a lot of sweets, especially for breakfast. Like, I'm more like breakfast sandwich, you know, sausage, slice of cheese, mm. you know, like, uh, and yeah, at Botany, we did the savory waffle that was just like, so it was such great junk food. I just love it. Pickled jalapenos, bacon, and then cheddar cheese in the waffle mix. Oh man. Awesome. And I think we even did like a cheddar sauce on top or something like that. Like, yeah, it, was it was like a nacho kind of. It was like, like yeah, yeah, like gringo nacho waffle. Yeah. <laughs> That so sounds That's fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to waffles? Yeah. <laughs> to waffles. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Uh, I think I go first on this one. So I believe so, yes. My, my question, inspired by the fact that as you guys were walking up, I was housing a piece of fried chicken like a trash panda in the parking lot of this building. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it. Because I, I literally ha- I realized on my way here that I had not eaten any food today. So uh, <laughs> I made a run by Popeye's and I got some spicy and hit that shit in the parking lot like nobody's business. I was watching. There were some people, sitting on, there were some people sitting on the porch mm-hmm. and they were just staring at me. <laughs> and I looked over. We, we, made, <laughs> we made eye contact. And I just held up the drumstick and the, the guy just gave me like the proud dad nod. He just hit me with like the slow, uh-huh. Oh my gosh, that's the best. <laughs> it was amazing. But there is a little bit of me that still feels guilty when I'm doing like really ridiculous shit like that. Like when I'm just housing something that I know is not good for me, but I just really needed that. Is there a guilty pleasure food item that you have? Like something that you know as you're eating it, you shouldn't be eating it or, or consuming it, uh, but fuck it, man, you gotta have it. You know, Yes. And it doesn't come my way very often because it's kind of a, one of the state fair foods. Sure. Um, and I'll preface this by saying I'm not like a big eater at the fair. Like I, I love the Minnesota State Fair, but food is never driving like my route around the fair. I'm not like necessarily looking forward to specific foods, so I'm probably weird in that way. But one like classic food that I'm glad you can't get very often is like a true fried cheese curd. Oh, yeah. Like, not just the squeaky ones, Mm. not just the ones at the gas station, but, like, truly, like, somebody just went in the deep fryer just for you, and it's now on your plate, and, like, you have to choose a dipping sauce, but it doesn't really matter because it's a fried cheese curd. And now that the state fair is doing, like, their spread their foods out and enjoy them all the time thing, Mm -hmm. it's it's a different story. (laughs) But I was getting some plants uh, in St. Anthony, Anthony just yesterday, and someone told me that one of the cheese curd stands was there. And sure enough, I peek around the DQ, 
and I got cheese curds yesterday. Oh boy. What do you, do you have a dipping sauce or do you just go straight curd? You know, normally I just like ketchup because they're so salty and creamy that like the ketchup kind of is the perfect counterpoint. But I got like their garlic dipping sauce and I didn't really, I didn't really need it. It was just the curds. I'm glad you said ketchup because I always, I would never, outside of like the state fair, I would never put ketchup on fried cheese. Sure. But for whatever reason, because, because there's no other a real option besides ranch, which is fucking disgusting. Uh, I go with, I go with ketchup and like, it's a, it's a specific combination. Totally. That cheese curd with that like sickly sweet vinegary tomato. Yes. That works as a thing. We don't even have ketchup in our house. Like, I know this because every once in a while, like, a, um, Airbnb guest will leave a thing of ketchup and it lasts like 18 months in our fridge because yeah. we just don't eat it on anything. I use ketchup for russet potatoes and cheese curds. Yeah. So, cheese curds, I like, I also like the saltiness. It's a similar premise to the French fry in that it's already fried in fat. I don't want to dip it into more fat. Right. So, I love the, the, well, you get sugar from it too, but the salt and the vinegar. And then the sugar that you're not supposed to notice, but there is tons of. I just mm-hmm. I love that on a fry, and it works really nicely with the curds too. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, I'm gonna. I, I do have a, a fried chicken little note. Um, I was traveling around America on Greyhound buses many years ago, and there goes one right now. <laughs> we have sound effects. There goes yeah. one right now. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and I had I had passed through. Um, I I think it was in Memphis, uh, in Tennessee, and and the guy I was couch surfing, the guy I couch surfed with was like well you got to go to this fried chicken spot and i was like okay and um and so for i forgot to say this in my introduction i'm canadian grew up in canada born and raised in winnipeg spent some time in montreal um and so in in canada food's quite expensive it's very very expensive and i was really surprised uh when i was traveling around america how much food you could get for such a small amount of money um and so he took me to this fried chicken place he's like it's the best fried chicken place in memphis i cannot remember the name of it to save my life but mm-hmm. I got the special. The special was four pieces. And okay. I thought, at the time, I'm like, four pieces of chicken, that's fine. But it does come with the white bread. It does come, it did come with coleslaw and with beans and with fries and, like, all this stuff. And I was like, wow. So I didn't finish it, put it in my backpack, got on a Greyhound bus. And uh, the next day, I ended up having it for breakfast while sitting on, uh, sitting on a curb at a Greyhound station. Yes. I just, I got off the bus. I was so hungry. And I remember I was like, oh, yeah, I got that fried chicken. And I just <laughs> sat on the curb and I just started inhaling it. And I was like, I must, I probably, like, some people are going to give me questionable looks. But if you've ever traveled by Greyhound bus, I mean, it's. You know, it's questionable all it, the time. There's a lot of questionable behavior. Right. Yeah. yeah. You were probably doing one of the more normal things. Yeah. But in terms of, yeah, something that, like, I'll eat that just is embarrassing, um, it's going to be a shout-out to the main in, uh, in Montreal. Smoked meat sandwich and poutine. Uh, you get the full-fat smoked meat sandwich. It's just, it's greasy it's it's big it's i mean they stack it so high like it's that like you know new york style right like it's just stacked high and you can get that and a bowl of poutine and it's like it's like 10 bucks or something which is crazy the amount of food you get but when you're done eating it like you need a shower you know but i don't care because everybody else sitting in there is doing the exact same thing and sometimes you'll just like look up from your bite and like you know met cross eyes with someone and they've got just as much grease and that hanging off them it's just like, like don't look at me yeah it's like we're just not gonna look at each yeah. other but yeah. we're just we're gonna all just finish our sandwiches and our poutines and, and call it that's fantastic delightful charles what about you well my answer is almost a callback to a prior answer of yours Quam, when we were talking about appetizers that you can't help but order 
if I know a place has good wings, it doesn't really matter what the rest of the meal is going to consist of, especially if I haven't had those wings before. Mm-hmm. And a topical example of this would be uh, two nights ago, I went to this new restaurant in St. Paul called Chips Clubhouse, which I feel like has a similar sensibility to what you guys envisioned for Houndstooth based on the premise of uh, what a place like Long Manigal is like. It's mm-hmm. a restaurant that uh, they feed they feed you what they want to eat, and it has a sort of casual sensibility, but somehow also feels a little refined. It's such a it's such a Chicago thing. Like yeah. all the plates there are under twenty dollars, and um, they're still somehow pretty sizable portions. Well, I knew I was going to eat the burger, and Splinter, former guest of the show, who was with me there as well, wanted to try the prime rib sandwich. <laughs> he also wanted me to try the fried jardiniera. And they have wings on their menu. And the bartender co-owner, um, Tim Leary, already put in the order for the jardinier and oh the wings gosh. without us asking for them. He's like, I, I put in an order for a couple things for you guys. And he's like, you guys like wings? And I was like, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. We were getting the wings. <laughs> right. And then he goes, and he goes, and Brett, I know you like the jardinier, so I put in an order of that as well. So knowing we were going to have this gluttonous meal, I still couldn't help but to eat half that plate of super crunchy like it says buffalo and i thought they were going to come out sauced i don't like sauced wings just because i don't like running the risk of rubbery wings yeah we're huge actually, dry rub people yes mm-hmm. absolutely me too so it's like a almost like a baked in it's like fried but the sauce is just kind of in the breading or baked into it huh. no sauciness whatsoever cool and they were excellent but then i got like nauseously full <laughs> yeah the, i woke up at six uh yesterday morning on saturday morning just like with that stomach where you're like, oh, I ate too much last night. <laughs> but yeah, it's wings. Even if I know I'm going to have a crazy meal yeah. and, and the wings were not part of the plan, if I see a place has wings and they're a good crunchy wing, especially like Monte Carlo style, I have to fucking order them. Like I might not eat them all, but I need to order them. You need to, you need to try them no matter what. You got to get in there. Uh, <clears throat> mine is, uh, is, is movie theater popcorn. Yeah. And uh, we were having a discussion this weekend about um, about being able to go back to movies and yeah. you know, sitting down in a cinema, something that I really love. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of going to movies by yourself. It's great. You don't have to worry about anybody asking you questions. You can just sit and enjoy yeah. it. But I will, by myself, I will get a large popcorn, and I never finish it, but I don't like the possibility that I might run out, <laughs> and I would rather throw a bunch of it away. But I will eat until my tongue looks like a raisin. Until yeah. there's no moisture left <laughs> anywhere in there. And I'm not pretty about it either. I need to, to make a statement because there are different kinds of people. There are people that can take like two pieces and eat it. Well, I am not one of those people. Yeah, it's a like, I, I will press on it like somebody, like a college kid trying to shut their suitcase to go home for winter break so mom will do the laundry. That is what I will do to the popcorn into my mouth for no reason. The, uh, my conscious brain is going, what are you doing, you fucking pig? Yeah. But then I can't stop, and I just keep going. And If you're soloing a large bag at the theater, it's, a, it's kind of a race at that point. So. <laughs> it really is like, i got to finish this before the end of the movie. But, uh, but that's, that's when we were talking about movies, I caught myself daydreaming about a fresh hot tub of popcorn, mm. not even thinking about 
a movie that I wanted to see. I was just excited about the popcorn. Right. Yeah. Well, because that's the first thing you do when you walk in, right? You like before you even sit down to the movie. It's kind of like those visceral memories of well, like, getting the popcorn. You catch the whiff the minute, like when you're. Oh yeah. You oh, know yeah. when you're walking into the theater, as soon as it hits you, you're like, okay, this is. Can where you I tell am this the difference between popcorn at different theaters? Like, do you mm-hmm. have a hierarchy of popcorns that you like? I do, and my current favorite uh, is the Imagine Theater chain. Oh yeah. Um, uh, for those of you not in the Minnesota area, they uh, they have a full bar and a, a craft brewery tap list, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> their popcorn is fantastic. But then you can also pair it with um, you can either get a sixteen ounce, a twenty four ounce, or a thirty two ounce beer, and they put a lid and they give you a straw. And I made fun of it the entire time until I reclined my seat. And I realized that a bendy straw comes in kind of handy if I don't want to have to sit up to sip my beer. And so I sucked down a uh, Axeman, a 32-ounce Axeman, through a straw and then thankfully remembered that my friend drove. So I didn't have to worry about that because that goes right (laughs) to the dome. I'm going to do you a service right now. Do you know about the app called RunP? (laughs) No, I do not. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to tell you about this. It really changed my life. In college, I used to go to movies pretty often. Sure. Um, I had a few friends that were really into movies, old and new. We would go to like old 35 millimeter screenings at the when the Mall of America did that. And there is an app you can download, and it has like every movie ever, like even things you'd just be watching at home. And what you do, there's two ways to do it. You can either start it when the movie starts, and it will vibrate when you should go pee because you're not going to miss any plot points. That's amazing. And then when you're oh. in the bathroom depending on how one uses the bathroom. You can choose to read the four minutes, five minutes that you're going to miss. It will tell Amazing. you. Amazing. Or Whoa. you can, if you don't want to have your phone and have to like be worried about why is my phone vibrating, you can read it beforehand and it will be like, go to the bathroom when Luke says, save me, Leia, or whatever. That's a bad example. I, no, I like that, though. And then you like, re- and then you have to remember, like, oh, this is crap. This is ah. like when I have to go. Do I have to go? I'm going to go, you know. And it usually gives, like, two or three times. So depending on how quickly you drink your beer, um, that might that That might is genius. You. I also would love to have been in the pitch meeting for that app to be created. 100%. You know, because it's something that most people don't talk about, but, like, everybody's had to experience. Yeah, like, like, should like, I oh, go? Shit. I don't know. What am I going to What's going to happen? Exactly. Yeah. That's why I dehydrate myself for movies because I, I would rather not get up. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I would like to drink booze during a movie, but that for sure will make me have to get up sometime. I have sprinted the course of the movie. I have absolutely sprinted to the bathroom and back, but I don't. I, I'm. I would rather pee and then go back and be comfortable. I missed. I missed um, a huge plot point in the movie Solo. Uh, saw that in the theater, and I we went to the one in uh, West End. So you know we we all got there, and it was the it was the Dangerous Man crew. So we all got our lightsabers, and we're all dressed up, and we're doing our whole thing. <laughs> we're super excited about it. We had a, a handful of beers before the show, plus some snacks, and you know, and then at at the moment in the movie that I was looking forward to the most, which is when Han and Chewie like meet and their friendship yeah. is forged. Oh, I love that I, movie. It was seriously like at this moment where I was like, all right, so he's like in some weird prison car right now. Like I'm just going to go and I go to the bathroom. And I, come back, <laughs> and I came back right as like, and they're hanging out are escaping on, <laughs> a, on a transport. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like nudging my friend. I'm like, what did I miss? He's like, like the coolest scene in the whole movie. I'm like, 
Great. <laughs> Next time I'll set the run PE timer for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so call. great. Also, uh, to, to bump what you said as he was talking, uh, I think that Solo and Rogue One don't get anywhere near enough credit for what incredible movies they are. And Rogue I, one gets I'm a lot not of a Star Wars like. Does buff. it? Yeah. Would you say which one? Rogue One gets a lot of credit. People Solo, love Rogue One. Solo gets beat up. I, I agree. Solo is my, my favorite, and maybe that's because I'm not so much of a Star Wars buff. I watched it when I was a kid, but I didn't really like stick with the enthusiasm through my life. And then seeing Solo, I was like, I just loved the character development. Even, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, even as an avid Star Wars nerd, like I loved Solo. It just it reminded me of watching Star Wars for the first time ever. It was fun. It was action packed. There was, uh, you know, there's a story, obviously, but like it just it just felt so refreshing to see a movie that was just like, yeah, this is like borderline western. Like there's going to be shootouts sure. and there's like, you know, like a train robbery. Like it it just had all the elements that I was like, yep, this is like this is why I like Star Wars because it should be right. fun. Yeah, it was in Lebanon when it came out, and when I when I came home. Pretty much everyone I know that saw it said, don't go, don't bother, it's not good. Really? And I was like, okay, well, I'm going anyways, because I, I take Tony to every Marvel and, and Star Wars movie. So like, let's go watch it. And I knew he would enjoy it either way. Like, he, he would, the worst Star Wars movie on Earth, he would absolutely adore just because he had the opportunity to yeah. see it. And I was like, looked at him afterwards, I was like, that was really good. And he was like, yeah, I loved it. And I was like, why did everyone tell me it was so terrible? So I think for me, also, the bar was so low. Sure. Pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I expected oh, something oh, awful, oh, and I was like, wow, that was, that was really good. I liked that There's definitely something to be said for expectations. And the fact that a lot of the other recent Star Wars movies have been really depressing. Yeah. Like, real downers. Yeah. And to see a feel-good movie was like... Yeah, in the theater? Just, How often do you get to do that? Yeah. You know? It was just fun. The whole thing was just fun. Which is what it's supposed to be. And yeah. like, <laughs> if you go back and watch A New Hope, like, try and take any of that dialogue seriously. <laughs> yeah. It's just amazing to me. But we have, uh, we have shots. Yeah. yeah. Shots. Scowl. Cheers to the eternal friendship of Chewbacca and Han Solo. Hmm. <laughs> 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 It's a little smoky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's tasty, though. Every time someone does a chewy voice, I want to go, Chewbacca, like that taser video. <laughs> taser, taser, taser. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys haven't seen it, look it up. It's hilarious. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. But. It's like a Brazilian uh, army military training video where they're tasing this gigantic guy as he's being held back, and then he does the chewy thing. He's <laughs> and uh, right afterwards, like, well, they go, taser, taser, taser. And he goes, and then you hear him go, and right afterwards you hear a guy in the background go, Chewbacca. <laughs> that, that guy's the star. That guy's yeah, the star. He's absolutely. so great. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's me. Yeah, it's you. That's me. All right, cigars. So we all enjoy cigars here. I don't get yeah. to talk about cigars an awful lot on this program. The last time I brought it up was when Nate was on here, and that was the first and only time. However, we like to enjoy cigars together. Quam is a cigar I'm smoker there. and is getting, getting, getting more, more into it. It's one of the reasons his voice is screwed up today. <laughs> uh, so really, it's, it's a very generalized question. What's your ideal setting for enjoying a cigar? Is it uh, like a fall bonfire with a stout, summer morning, after a nice dinner? And then do you prefer like a small cigar, a large cigar, multiple cigars? So like, what is your, what's your ideal scenario for enjoying a stick? That's a great question. I think I'm not 
I'm not always the person to smoke after dinner. I feel like it's almost, they're like two separate experiences to me. And I usually will have like a glass of wine or whiskey when I have a cigar. Not always. Um, But yeah, I guess I prefer like a cooler day. Um, We, I do a lot of gardening. So um, even for having such a small yard, it's really amazing how much time we spend outside. Um, But like after doing a lot of planting or harvesting vegetables, um, like when I finally get to enjoy my yard, that's usually when I reach for a cigar or sometimes when we have like a little bonfire in the backyard. Although we do like to get together with people and meet up somewhere and have a cigar, but um, usually it's more of like a solitary thing for me, I would say the setting wise. Yeah, I mean, I, I can say probably my one of my favorite cigar experiences ever was in Barcelona when we were there and <clears throat> we had... I don't exactly remember what brought us to where we were, which is what is what what makes travel great. But we had these cigars. We really wanted to smoke them. And we just walked out. And I guess it was like the harbor. There's a pier or something like that. And it was just like serene. Like, you know, sun was setting. There was the water. That nice, like, vibe of, like, being in Barcelona that's just so beautiful. And we we just sat and i think it was either on a bench or maybe it was we sat like with our legs off the edge of the pier i can't exactly remember and just enjoyed that's it like just sat in the city enjoyed a cigar and and it was very very peaceful um so that's the kind of experience i gravitate towards with a cigar is like i love having cigars with friends obviously mm-hmm. um but there is something like to page's point about having a solitary like you're just kind of with yourself you're with your own thoughts like you might have a whiskey or like or like a cup of coffee if you're doing it like a little more midday. Um, and then in terms of what I like, I mean, I'm I'm pretty all over the board, but more often than not, I'm I'm reaching for um, for like Connecticut's or Maduros. I don't generally go crazy dark. I do have some, but like they're intense. You know, I mean, that's one that. <laughs> I'll be sitting with for a while, and I'm probably going to start feeling a little a little weird in the head after yeah. a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, yeah, if you do like a nice like shorter Connecticut, like you can have a couple of those in in a sitting and like really enjoy it. Um, and I like the flavors of them. I find they they give off a little more like honey, a little more vanilla, like a little bit of those like brighter spice notes. And I find once you get darker and you start getting into those like bigger like blackstrap molasses and like deep clove and like. It's it's still good, but I I definitely sit on the lighter side for sure. Yeah, certainly. So, Quam, <clears throat> you're getting a lot more into cigars now, or, I am. or somewhat more. So, what would you say your preferences are currently? Uh, real quick side note, because we here at Libations for Everyone love to show everybody how the sausage is made. Because I love your elocution so much, can you just slide your microphone a little closer to you? Yes. There we go. Beautiful. That's perfect. Got Thank it. you so much. <laughs> just like as I'm listening to everybody talk, it, it had just gotten a little bit quieter over there, and I want everybody to be able to hear what you're what you're doing. As far as my uh, my enjoyment, uh, I actually found a new a new way to enjoy a cigar. Uh, we the the cabin that we rented um, had it was on the lake, but it was probably 200 yards removed from the lake. And in between the two was kind of a marsh and then like a little foresty area. And they had a, basically like a four by four trail that went back. You know, you could definitely see like two tire treads going back. So you just follow that back. And then they had a, a dock in the lake. And, uh, the dock was just the right height that my feet would be just above the ankle. 
and the sunset over the lake and uh, that evening walking out there and just having my feet in the water and same thing, enjoying a little bit of, of serenity in the middle of, of chaos that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. It was just a really beautiful moment to kind of sit and take it all in. And uh, it reminded me of uh, the, <laughs> so, you know, I'm just sitting there and I'm looking at the sky and I'm watching the smoke, you know, sort of waft off of this cigar and my brain goes myriad places sometimes and it went deep in the filing cabinet and uh the f- the very first time that my friends and I did mushrooms we you could, we were smoking inside mm-hmm. and uh nobody you know everybody's looking at each other to figure out when it hit and uh all of a sudden one of my friends Jeff is just staring up at the ceiling and he's got his lit cigarette in his hand pointed straight up and I was like you okay bud and he just looks down and he goes where do you think the smoke goes? <laughs> He's like, I can see it. And then it's gone. <laughs> and my brain took me back to that moment. And I sat laughing hysterically mm-hmm. on the end of a dock, yeah. smoking a cigar at 41, thinking about that moment. And it was just a little, like a little Polaroid that I get to keep with me yeah. of a moment that was, that was just for me. It was fucking amazing. So I really, it's always been a social thing for me. And now I've kind of started to appreciate because you're giving yourself that amount of time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and I really, really dig that. Um, as far as flavors go, I have noticed that I start trending the opposite direction that you do. Um, I love that like deep molasses, really big, leathery, like all of that I really enjoy, um, especially if I have a beverage going with it. I just really like you know kind of a, a hammer when it comes to the, the cigars. Not that I don't like a delicate one. If I'm if all things are equal and I'm picking, I'll probably always go to the to the big bold deep flavors. Yeah, I find myself going to like one extreme or the other. I don't always enjoy cigars that are kind of in the middle, which you'd think that the middle would be like a happy medium, but mm-hmm. for whatever you reason, I like them. The, yeah, is it seasonal it's like or you just, mood, your moods just yeah, swing with those? I think it's a mood thing, mm-hmm. and maybe a size thing too. Like if it's a sure. if it's a bigger lighter cigar versus like a smaller dark cigar. I guess that's probably what I would go go between, but yeah. Sometimes it's funny, like like when Paige and I are like buying cigars, you know, like we'll go into a cigar store and you know you get that kind of like gendered thing where they'll you know they'll ask Paige like, do you? It, it doesn't happen often, um, but it, it's sort of like, well, what do you like? And you know, it might be kind of like leaning towards the lighter stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm the light guy. I like the light stuff. And Paige will be looking right. for the things that are just like big, like a little bigger, a little bolder, a little more intense. And but you tend, Paige, you tend to prefer short cigars i do yeah i do i don't i don't know why i didn't always but that's the way i've kind of been trending but i do like going to stores and getting recommendations because i don't know that much about brands i know about the styles and kind of what i like and but it's really fun to get recommendations especially when we go to cigar places um in different places like we just went to one in nashville that was really interesting and the woman was also the bartender so she was like well what are you thinking of drinking so she was thinking about the pairing which was really interesting yeah um and when we first started getting into cigars we went to ybor city in tampa Mm -hmm. where they're hand rolling Mm -hmm. it and so they can tell you all about the ingredients in the process and what was funny is when we first went there um we were just kind of looking to try it we knew that they had really good cigars there and we were like well let's give it a go and the person who was showing us around without even like asking us anything about our preferences he was equating it to craft beer he was saying like this is more like a pilsner this is more like a stout and that really helped us that's That's great frequently that is also a recommended notion for pairing cigars sure i was in denver seven years ago and 
met up with an f- old friend of mine who lives there, and I was smoking a light wrap cigar at uh, f- uh, Falling Rock. Yeah, and Falling Rock Tapas. Yeah. Drinking a Barrera Public sour. And he's like, you can't smoke cigars and drink sours. And I was like, yes, you fucking can. (laughs) And this is pre-pandemic, so he tried my cigar and the beer, and it had enough acidity that it actually worked really beautifully together because there was, like, the creamy notes for the cigar. You still were able to taste the the smoke, and it didn't overpower your palate. There's a little bit of honey in it. Mm -hmm. And then the sour notes and the fruit, I think it was, like, a cherry sour from from Bear Republic at the time, um, just worked beautifully together. Like, you could taste them, and they were also, like, friendly counterparts. It almost, like, had a smoked cherry effect. Wow, And I think the other thing is people not understanding how to properly smoke a cigar because even a dark cigar can work with uh, Miller High Life. You just don't blow your own palate out. If you, if you smoke on it too hard and you draw the cherry mm. too hard and you're pulling through tar and burning your own tongue, yeah, you're going to blow out your palate. But if, yeah. you, if you smoke it like delicately, because it depends on what you're doing, you want to be really delicate if you're drinking like a rosé or a yeah. pilsner or eating something like a cheese. You want to like really lightly puff. But if you draw really hard, you're going to blow your palate out. And then that's when you need your barley wines, your stouts, your whiskeys. That's whiskies. a good point. I didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, about pairings. Like, when we first started talking about Houndstooth, we were so focused on beer and food. And we mm. still are because we, we are, you know, beer folk. We like beer. And I think that, like, personally, beer often gets the shaft as, like, a pairing for food it's usually seen as like you know kind of whatever with the exception of course of like stuff like what's happening out at brooklyn uh or brooklyn brewery or brewer's table was mm-hmm. was you know mind-blowing like in terms of how they did those pairings um but as we've come down this path we've started realizing a lot more as we're doing dinners and private events and stuff is like we still focus on the beer pairings but now we're a lot more focused on like what is the right pairing mm-hmm. so sometimes that's a wine sometimes it's madeira sometimes sure. it's kombucha it's kombucha sometimes it's whiskey like it's there's a myriad of things that we consume and there's all these different ways that you can pair it and you can play with it and like you know to that point of like a sour beer and a cigar and it's like well actually yeah it's it's each of them are kind of working with each other in, in a way that you might not expect but it works <clears throat> and if you think yeah. that's wild wait till you try eggs on beans motherfucker <laughs> oh god i heard you say eggs and we're talking about cigars and i was like excuse me no 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 <laughs> a runny egg on a cigar it's the only thing i wouldn't put a runny egg on actually <laughs> what's breakfast cigar what's your favorite setting charles well I, I sort of answered this 13 different ways on the Nate episode, and yeah. you guys all touched on variations of my favorites, like the dock behind my office. I love to go back there. I can put my feet in the oh, water yeah. sometimes, smoke a cigar after dinner. My favorite experience drinking a, or smoking a cigar after dinner was at the French Laundry, going out on their veranda, looking over the vineyards, mm-hmm. smoking a cigar and drinking Yamazaki 25. Like, oh come on, gosh. that's unbeatable. <laughs> uh, for me, I would say I'm going to turn this on its head a little bit. Right now, with the weather that we've been having, Especially with the winter that we had when I couldn't go to my favorite uh, tobacco shop, Tobacco Grove, to enjoy a cigar in the middle of winter, I had so few cigars during the winter. Yeah. Yeah. And now that we have nice weather and uh, the, the virus is abating, at least to some degree, because a lot of us are vaccinated, and we're back to having our yards available to us, uh, that notwithstanding, I've been smoking almost every day. So I've been doing at least one a day, like six days a week for the last month. And so for me... Every setting right now is my favorite setting. <laughs> I don't care. All the Just above. give me a cigar. <laughs> the one so, you're in right now, yeah. 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 Right, so it's been a lot of um, grilling and then feeling satisfied with the job that I've done and also, uh, you know, cooling off because I'm sweating and I'm also full. 
and I want to just kind of relax in the gravity chair in my yard and light a cigar for a job well done. So Nate described it to me as like it forces you to take that time yep. yes. and to also slow down because yeah. there's not a lot you can do while you're smoking a cigar. We've even done it like when we were we were taking a walk in California one time and we had a cigar and we realized we didn't enjoy it as much because even like the breathing of like mm. walking at a fast pace, we were like, oh, maybe we're smoking too fast. We're not really enjoying <laughs> right. it. You'd think like a stroll would be fine, but yeah. I have to find, I, I find that I have to be sitting and really not even doing anything else, not reading, not even thinking. It, yeah. it forces I, me, who is not good at sitting down, yeah. to sit down. And I think, Charles, you might have said it to me one time as like, like, don't, don't smoke a cigar while you're doing yard work. Like, that's not a way. It was either you or Nate said that. I'm like, that's not a way to enjoy a cigar. Yeah. You're not going to enjoy it. Like, you're, because you're, you don't even focus on it. You don't even think about it. You're just like, whatever, like, smoking a cigar, pulling these weeds, you know, shoveling this dirt. It's like, yeah, no, just like, sit. Right. Yeah, when you're, doing, when you're doing a task, it, it just becomes another thing that you need to uh, juggle. It's like rubbing your tummy and patting your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it does take... It takes some practice to even just like walk alone with a cigar. So Nate, for instance, every day when he walks his his dogs, yeah. he smokes a cigar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of practice walking and smoking. I like to walk and smoke when it's not windy. If it's windy, the cigar smokes itself. And yeah. you know, I didn't pay fourteen dollars for the wind True. to smoke my cigar. But if you have, it's practice, a really big incense stick. <laughs> yeah. Where does it, the smoke go? Right. Where does it? Oh my God! That's what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the draft was taking his cigarette away. <laughs> yeah, so but if if you do have practice like you have to walk very casually. Yeah. You don't have to I'm you not- don't have to you can't do the walk where you're getting where you're going. Yeah. Cuz then you're just like you're breathing heavier and you're just puffing the cigar. You just look like you're about to go beat somebody up. Right. You yeah. Know? Like, you're like the striding. Yeah, you, these long yeah. strides, just puffing yeah. a cigar. Yeah, you look like Bluto, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm sure I would if I did that. Uh, oh yeah, so uh, the thing with uh, preference for cigars themselves, I'm going to say <clears throat> it's not about what I prefer to smoke because I like everything. Mm-hmm. It's, a diff- it's a time and place thing. Mm-hmm. If I'm on the balcony in Lebanon, I want something uh, lighter wrapped. I just ordered a giant box of uh, Ybor City oh, brand cigars yeah. that Nate's boss at Bavada uh, loves. And oh. he and I tried some. And these these little natural wrapped Toros that I want to use as like breakfast cigars this time of year. Yeah. My preference at night is to have something that is like really dark and rich and cinnamony, like with a, with a beverage by the fireside. My, but what I want to do now is stop smoking so many gigantic cigars. Uh, I've already gone smaller. Like it, it used to be that I always bought the biggest cigar I could have because I just wanted to prolong the experience. But sure. now that I smoke multiple cigars in a sitting, I want to smoke more Lanceros. I want the long cigars where you taste more of the wrap. Yeah. They're a little harder to track down, but more producers are, are making that size. And I just, I've had some and I want to have a lot more because I find I enjoy them. They're, they're still, they, they're still kind of long, but they smoke pretty quickly because they're thinner and you taste that wrap so much that it's That's like so point. carefully selected, mm-hmm. like a yeah. giant thick cigar. You don't taste the wrap almost at all because it's all filler. Mm. When you get a higher percentage of the wrap to the filler, you can see what they were. Even if it's the same, if it's a Lancero of a cigar that you've had before in another size, then you can see why they selected that wrap. Like, Oh wow. I really taste the, the clove, cinnamon, the vanilla, like all the different layers that, that can be present in that part of the, the cigar. Yeah, I want to learn more about shape. That's a really good point because we've mm-hmm. talked, you, Rick, you've been leaning towards Churchill's a lot, mm-hmm. like the little bullet-shaped ones. Yeah, yeah. The little guy. And I, but then you were saying, are those called Churchill's or are Churchill's just really Churchill's big? Are really Churchill's big. are long. Yeah. Which are the ones that are shaped like tapered? 
Torpedo. Tor- the torpedoes? torpedo, like this, the the smaller, like this size. Yeah, they're like, tapered but ends. they're tapered yeah. at both ends. Yeah, I believe that would. Be... Do they call them torpedoes? I think that's just well, you've been leaning towards the ones that are tapered at both ends, but then the draw is tighter because it's yeah. so narrow. Those also come in different lengths. As true. Well. Yeah. So those that's true. Have a variation of. You you're doing like kind of just like the medium width, medium length, mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. and you've been liking that shape. Yeah, I've been enjoying that a lot. What kind of cutters do you use? V cut or straight cut? Usually straight cut. We do okay. have a V cut. Um, it's I, it's not a very good one. It's it's. <laughs> It usually ends up just gnarling the saw pretty bad, <laughs> yeah. so we we use it a handful of times, gumming think, it to death. We, yeah, we either got it for free or it was like a buck, and we're just like, oh yeah, V cutter, let's try it out. Yeah, any like, cutter that's cheap is not okay. right. Right, and then we're like, this is terrible, and and so I think it's it's one of those. But we've had V cut <clears throat> cigars like at mm-hmm. cigar bars and stuff because yeah. I think when we went sure. at the place in oh no, we didn't smoke in Nashville. No, not at the place. But yeah, you know, you'll have a place do the V cut, and you're like, oh, that's actually quite nice when it's done the right way. But yeah, usually just a straight cut. Yeah, V-cut's my favorite, cool. for sure. L- least likely cut to mangle or unfurl your cigar, mm-hmm. I found. Yeah. Can I, can I give you guys a, a random thought to think about the next time you're, you're smoking a cigar? I, <clears throat> I may or may not have brought some other fun potions with on this weekend, and, and they may or may not have aided me in coming to this realization. Maybe. But in, uh, in college, I had read a paper <clears throat> about how um, – what we would consider like consciousness, like self-aware, understanding where we are and, and who we are as a society was made possible by fire because it was the first time that we could have something that would ward off danger and also give warmth. Hmm. And so once people could, you know, you basically you just kept a fire going in primitive civilizations because it was hard to get it going without tools. Yeah, you had to bank your fire. Right. So... It, w- it became a place for people to gather because you could be safe and you could be warm at all times. And that was the first time that humanity had ever had enough time to sit down and even contemplate what it is they're doing. And I feel like there is something, maybe it's just the ad, like the use of fire and the fact that it's burning, but there is something very similar that I catch myself doing every time I'm smoking a cigar because I'm giving myself that time. And I'm saying, I am going to not do anything else for at least this amount of time. And whenever you stop yourself, especially if you're like a very busy person or, you know, kind of bouncing all over the place, that is a great time to force yourself to kind of reflect on things. And I started to realize that I have a lot of the same feelings when I'm smoking a cigar by myself as I do when I'm sitting around a fire. Like Hmm. I can turn my brain off a little bit. I'll just kind of stare off and think, oh, this is really nice. And I don't know if that's an actual connection, connection or just something that my brain is doing. But it's been really kind of fun now that I've thought about that. Every time I go out, I try and actually consciously think about that, that this is the time I'm giving myself. I'm clearly safe. Uh, I'm clearly warm because I'm choosing to be outside. And now I'm going to stop my world for just a little bit. Yeah, that's I like that, especially like that safety aspect of like you've reached that point in your hierarchy of needs where you can just enjoy and you don't have to be thinking about other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like almost meditative as it, it's burning down and it, the flavor's changing a little bit. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would challenge anybody who enjoys cigars to try to. I struggle with this as well. Just put your phone away and just smoke the cigar. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a gravity chair like I do in the yard where you can recline and look up at the sky, whether it's the daytime sky or the nighttime sky, and just smoke the cigar and look up at the branches and listen to the crickets and just think about life. It's actually like really satisfying if yeah. you can get yourself to do it. If you can yeah. get yourself to not check your, your Apple Watch or your phone or yeah. you know, someone yelling at you out the window or people fighting outside the palace like they were last night. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, fucking cheers to giving ourselves a little bit of time. Cheers. Come get this work. That's what the guy was yelling. <laughs> Come get this work. That's fucking great. That's uh, another t-shirt idea for I us. Was, <laughs> I was outside smoking a cigar, and I texted Marnie that, and she's like, what does that mean? And I was like, this guy outside the palace is yelling that right now while I'm trying to do Come get cigar. this work? Come get this work. She's like, what does that mean? And I was like, I think it means, like, come fight me. Wow, that's great. I Come think that's fantastic, work. by the way. This is a nice sip. That's really cool. It, it's it's spot on for what they said they Ooh. set out to yeah. do, in my opinion. Ooh. Gin and tonic liqueur. Yeah. yeah, it's got like a gingery, like spiciness yeah. to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a Cardamom. Little, mm. A little soda. Cardamom is where I have that. Yeah, oh. I bet it just gets Doesn't more floral. Doesn't even need tonic. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a liqueur, right? So it's like... 32? 32%. Yeah. Yeah, Throw some soda water in there and a big lemon rip. Yeah. That's, that's it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad we picked that up. Yeah. Uh, all right, so this me again. Uh, so oh, hi. I was, <laughs> hi, here we are. You've been here this whole time. <laughs> what? Me again. <laughs> um, as the first, uh, uh, this is the first couple not married to either one of us that have, has been on the show. <laughs> We've had a couple couples that were married to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you are correct. Uh, obviously this weekend with me being at a bachelor party, a lot of people were giving like their advice. We had people that have been married for 20 years. We had people that were freshly married we were talking, we had a discussion going like, what advice would you give? But also what did you, what would you wish that people would have told you? Uh, and you can choose either direction. Uh, I didn't want to try and put anybody on too hard of a spot, but looking back on it, is there, is there advice that you would love to give a couple that's maybe like about to get married or reflexively would you is there something that you wish you would have known when you were younger I'm thinking I think I think I could answer both ways but I'm trying to formulate it I I, mean, I can I can answer both ways but the very first thing that comes to mind is sort of like we back to quotes we sort of picked a quote um sorry am I stealing your answer no but it's we, similar we picked a quote uh that sort of um when we did get married and do we had to do um for immigration we had to do a court wedding oh sure and then about a year later we did like a real actual wedding um and we sort of picked a quote that that encompassed our relationship and that also was sort of like our a guiding principle throughout the you know planning a wedding which if anyone has you know what it is <laughs> um and the and the quote is uh, i'll butcher the fellow's name unless you got it antoine saint exupery he wrote le petit prince oh yeah um, and and so the what quote a beautiful is, book is, by the way. love does not consist of gazing at one another um but at gazing at the world like by each other's side outward in the same uh, direction outward in the same direction that's and fantastic so, yeah and and it was largely inspired by i mean we don't like to sit across from each other that often. We're that obnoxious couple that sits side by side in the booth. But it's just because, like, I love, you know, we love looking at each other. It's fantastic, right? But, like, we got our whole lives to do that. It's really nice to kind of to, to sit back and, you know, stare out at the world and, and, you know, see how that's going because it's a it's a big world. You know, there's a lot, a lot going on. So that's, that's something that's always kind of been, like, a guiding principle for us is, don't just focus on staring at each other. Yeah. See what's going on out it's there. It's like the Khalil Gibran poem that our mothers read at our wedding yes. about the two pillars standing side by side, holding yeah. up the monastery yeah. together, but not facing one another. Just basically like supporting the world together. Yeah. It's, yeah, very cool. I That's, love that because it's, 
that like immediately brought back that memory for me. That's yeah. super cool. It's also why I love cafe culture in, in France, exactly. especially in Paris. And that's where our honeymoon was. So we got there and we were like... Same here. Yeah. yeah. Same more though. I didn't mean to cut no, you off. No, no, that, that's it. We, Jenny and I, we, we, uh, we wanted to go somewhere that we had each been separately and we wanted mm-hmm. to go somewhere together. Mm-hmm. And then we wanted to go somewhere new. So we split our honeymoon between Paris and Morocco. And the first time that we sat down to have coffee together at the cafe that first day that we got there, we were just sitting side by side and it like kind of hit me. That was when I realized like, Oh, this is my partner in all of this. We just fucking did it. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. the day of the wedding is such a fucking blur. Do you yell that in the cafe? Cause I love <laughs> when Americans it. do that. It. We Come get the work. <laughs> <laughs> Come get this work. France. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anyway, I just, I just wanted to, to, to amp that. Uh, what, what, what were you going to say? Well, I think the quote illustrated something important to me that I think I've always been a pretty independent person. Like I'm an only child. My parents were much older when they had me. So I've kind of always like forged my own little way through the world. And, um, I wasn't Rick's first wife. So we kind of came to this marriage from different, really different perspectives, and we knew that we wanted to maintain like some degree of individuality while still being a couple. And after like a global pandemic of being cooped up together is probably not like the best time to say that we do a good job of that. Mm-hmm. But I think we do a good job of like maintaining our own lives. And even though like people would often say that like we're together, like we do things together, we have similar interests. We also do spend time apart and we have things that we're passionate about that we can kind of just leave to each other's mm-hmm. um, specialties. But I guess the thing that I wish people would know, and it's not necessarily that I don't think anyone told us this but it's just something that we've discovered and Rick brought it up by saying that like we had to go through the immigration process and we say that from a very privileged place like we don't mean to say like that immigration is the same for everyone because Rick is a white English-speaking person and was coming from a neighboring you know nation Mm -hmm. so we had to go through a process of like proving to the government that we're in love, which is like yeah. kind of not romantic and it's not really fun. <laughs> so like, for instance, like our lawyer said, you need, to, this is the best. Our lawyer said, and this was in 2014, 2015, you need to get a photo album. And we were like, look around you Ellen we're at the threshold of the 21st century like this is not so we tried to go to Target and get like a literal photo album you know that you can like slip photos in doesn't this seem like bullshit though like yeah okay no one's got a photo album (laughs) we were like is this a joke like when he first told us I'm like do you mean like a proverbial photo album like is this like a this is like an analogy for something they don't exist anymore just Just say your honor and hand them your Facebook doing this wild thing too it's like where we kept taking selfies together because they're like, you know, yeah, if lawyer, you notice that phase in our lives, yeah. it was because of this. Our, our lawyer was like, they will creep on your Facebook and your social media. So like, mm-hmm. make sure that you have pictures of you guys together. And we were like, okay, like we're not, that's not really that's our so vibe fucking weird. And right? so we'd like go out to dinner and we'd like get the selfie and be like, Hey, yeah, yeah. Woo. Like post it on Facebook and be like, we're, and it's like, it was just this wild thing to right. like, but sorry, go on. No, but the point I was going to make is like, yeah, like find somebody that you have fun with and like things are great and like you have things in common, but like also find somebody who like can get through the shit with you. Yep. Like, yeah. 
we've like I don't know we haven't had anything horrific happen in our lives but I mean we started out in that process (laughs) and so we had to decide like right away like are you going to be able to memorize what deodorant I wear in the morning because immigration is going to ask us that are you going to know what time you know am I going to know what time you wake up like that's the stuff that like that's not a very like romantic way to start a relationship so um I don't know it's just we've had these threads of like we're going to be each other's like person even when it's not great so like this year, everybody's been talking about, like, oh, my gosh, the quarantine babies. Like, everyone's getting puppies and having babies. And, like, this year, like, a doctor looked at us and was like, you have infertility. And we're like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you meet the definition for infertility. And we're like, right. awesome. Like, that's just not, like, a fun thing to be like, I guess we're just going to, it's going to be fine. But, like, right. that's kind of been a theme. And I wish somebody would have said, um, not, not that we're worse off because nobody said this, but I do wish somebody would have said, like, you started off like not on an easy road and that's going to serve you well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, on that is like with trying to open houndstooth, I mean, yeah. you, Charles especially has been involved in our process since pretty much day one. And it's been four years since our very first pop-up and we right. feel no closer to having mm-hmm. an actual mm-hmm. building to house our restaurant. Our social media is is decent. We're doing events. 2020, we had a lot of events. All of them got canceled, obviously. And this year, our calendar is filling up. It's great. We love it. We're doing this. We want to have our own building. Yep. We want to have our own physical spot to do this. And the especially the last two years, the process has just been like it's turned into an, like an uphill battle of... You know, we were really close to purchasing a building and suddenly the seller wanted to just dig as deep as humanly possible into Uh our financials. And we were, you know, at a point where we're just like, we passed on the building because we hit a point where we were just like, listen, like, we aren't comfortable sharing any more information with you. We've given you all we got. And at this point, like... Did he ask you to take selfies in front of the building? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) No. Um, But, yeah, it was just... Are you serious? Take a selfie. Yeah. Selfie with your... It was just like, so it's... And it's fine. I think, like, yeah, like, like like, get your... Find someone... Relationships are fun. Find someone who's, who you can have a lot of fun yeah. with, but also, like, when the shit gets real, are you both going to be, like, there with one another? Because that's sure. important. It Absolutely. sounds obvious, but I think you need both. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, we, and we heard a lot of it, you know, in, in quarantine. Like, I heard from a True. lot of folks who said, like, I cannot stand my partner because yeah. all of a sudden you're both at home mm-hmm. together working in separate rooms but you're just there together and for us i mean not that i was really home because you know i work at a brewery so i was still out putting beer in cans every single day but we had just a really like organic way of existing together at home you know where it would typically be like i could come home from work and Paige wouldn't come home for a few hours it would be like you know you see each other like every day all the time and I don't know. We never really like had like a hiccup or an issue with it. We were just kind of like, all right, cool. Like this is, this is life right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I think your search for a building too is analogous to finding a life partner as mm-hmm. well in that it, 
it's obviously been difficult, but it's better for you to wait for the right one to come along <laughs> than it is to force the subject. Absolutely. Yeah. A good friend of mine, Eric Heis, recently started, he was my old account manager at Patmos. Hmm. He started a personal fitness business during the, the quarantine and has been doing a lot of like uh, using apps to like put plans together. He's, he uses a particular app. He puts like meal plans and, oh, and fitness cool. plans cool. together for people. And now he's making a living doing it. And he's like, holy shit, I'm in my late thirties and I'm yeah. finally making this dream come alive. And I'm like, yeah, when it's right, it's right. Like you yeah. can't, you can't force the subject. And so he's fortunate he waited because, you know, he's, he's working part-time at GNC and he's going to be able to stop doing that because he's doing so well at his thing. And it's mm-hmm. sort of analogous to finding a life partner. Like when it's right, it's right. Don't right. force the subject. Even if it takes a long time, you know, I got married when I was, how old was I? 39, 37. Mm-hmm. So it's 37, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, yeah. I, I guess advanced at least in my group of friends. Um, yeah. As for my piece of advice, I, I found that for for my marriage with Marnie, nothing really changed when we got married. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really seek any advice and nor can I can I give it to anyone regarding what your life is going to be like after the fact. I actually find that a lot of that advice, because another one of my sayings, because I brand everything, it's what I do, <laughs> and, and I put a motto, I slap a motto on everything. Life is particularly experience, so I can't tell somebody what their experience is going to be. My piece of advice would be... Uh, not necessarily don't take advice, but take, it, take those pieces of advice with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. And consider the source. Certainly. Yeah, look at, yeah. you know, what are the parallels to their life experience and your own mm-hmm. life experience? I had so many people tell me, hey, man, on the wedding, it's, you're not going to experience it. It will be gone. It will fly people so quickly. You will not experience it. And I was like, I know, I know how I, I typically operate in scenarios where I'm trying to enjoy myself like a day my philosophy is that I can make my life feel longer by having varied experiences. So a cabin weekend to me feels like a week mm-hmm. because I enjoy myself immensely. It's filled with activities. You know, maybe you throw a nap in there. It's like the only time I ever nap, <laughs> but I'm fishing, I'm building a fire. I'm doing a cowboy bonfire. I'm reading a book. I'm playing with a dog. Mm-hmm. I'm building a fire in the fireplace inside. There's so many things that you're doing that by the end of, you know, on Sunday, it's Friday to Sunday, you drive home on Sunday, you feel like you've been there for a week. Yeah. So with my wedding, I was like, I don't believe you. Like I said that to people too, like, I don't believe you. And they're like, well, you'll see, you're going to see. Yeah. Well, after the wedding, like at the end of the night, when we went back and we all, you know, whoever uh, among us came back to Constantine at the Hotel Ivy, and then we went upstairs uh, to, to convene for the evening, I looked at Marnie and I was like, Everyone who told us that this day was going to feel short is full of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I enjoyed every second of that fucking day and it felt like it didn't feel longer than the sum of its parts. It felt like the amount of time that it yeah. took. And so I was like, fuck you guys. That day was awesome. And, and I loved every second of it. So I would say my piece of advice is uh, take, take advice with a grain of salt when people have this sage wisdom about something that they believe to be true that you should also believe to be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all. That's actually, yeah, that's a great way to put it. I, um, I've, uh, I got, I've done 29 weddings so far. I've, I've, I've been the reverend for, and, uh, the thing that I, I try to do a different like script every time I try to make it like, I've never, I've only done it for one stranger. I've only, I usually try to be at somebody where I have a relationship with them. You've done it for one stranger? Wink. Uh, yeah, I did. I, I married a couple that, uh, their, their brother knew me from the industry uh, but I, I had never met the couple until like the day before when we sat down to kind of talk through it. And we ended up talking for three hours and then I got a really good vibe from them. But the one chunk that always is in there uh, is basically 
we can say whatever we want today and we can make it as, as pretty and as flowery. None of this matters unless you're going to do the work. And that work is constant. It's ever going because you're two human beings trying to figure out how to coexist. And it's not that I'm trying to put like a downer or like a wah, wah on it, <laughs> but it's a reminder that like there are, there are days where it's a lot more work than maybe you would want it to be. Right. But that work, just like anything else, like fitness or saving money or whatever, that work is what gets you to, you know, the next place that you're going. What I wish I would have known, and I also have a train wreck of a first marriage, so I'm saying this from experience. <laughs> what I wish I would have known is that I had watched, also growing up, an only child, split parents, so I spent a lot of time having music and movies raise me and books raise me. And I wish I would have known that you're not looking, like uh, your, your perfect special one isn't somebody that's exactly like you. Mm -mm. It's not somebody that likes all the things that you like and wants to do all the things that you want to do. It's finding a way for two different puzzle pieces to kind of fit together where there's some overlap where, yeah, we do. We love certain things together. We love doing this. But we also have different shit that neither one of us is super interested in the other one. I'm happy that she's happy. I love seeing her do something that she loves doing. I don't always want to do that too. I don't want right. to study that. And she gives me that same freedom. And I, I think I, I either skipped past or I tanked relationships when I was younger because I was like, Oh, that's not perfect. It's not exactly like what I thought it would be. So, and I, I, I think I would have saved myself a lot of heartache and I definitely would have saved some other people a lot of heartache. If somebody would have told me that when I was younger, instead of being like, yeah, yeah. All these fucking rom-coms and all these really oh, sappy yeah. saccharine love songs, like this bullshit. Totally. You know? It's somebody writing a really beautiful poem. It's not actual steps for life. So it's about, you know, look at the source and what are they trying to do? They're trying right. to sell records. They're trying to sell movies. They're trying to sell, trying tub, to sell tubs of popcorn to me. Sell a like <laughs> saccharine sort of lie. Yeah. That's a feel good kind yep. of story. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I wonder like if Rick and I have like too much in common because there are things that we, we both independently were interested in before we got to know each other, but there are things that can that are done independently. Like we both play drums. We both are, I ski and Rick's learning to ski, but it's like, those aren't things that we have to like be together or be staring at each other to do. They're just things that we have as a part of our life that we both happen to, to enjoy. But I've also liked like discovering new hobbies like cigars. We, you know, learned about that together and now that's something that we do, but we're both, I mean, I would say we're both relatively introverted. So we don't constantly feel the need to be talking or interacting. Well, and I think, too, like, you know, we talk about, like, hobbies and interests and, like, things that you like to do, things that round you out as a personality, for sure. Um, and, like, I, and I, I think that you do need to have some of those things in common, for sure. But something else is, like, you know, how do you problem solve together? Yeah. Things like that. Like, th- how do you get down to those sort of difficult things? How do you have a difficult conversation about infertility? Like, mm-hmm. how, what does that mean? And... I think that's the thing where it's like, yeah, we could have a thousand things in common or a thousand things not in common. But if at these like core levels yeah. we see eye to eye, then I think like like that's what can make a relation make or break a relationship. Totally. You know. Fuck and yeah. I was gonna comment too, Charles, on, on like your wedding day and that thing. I mean, we know a lot of folks who like their wedding, they're just shit faced the whole time. And oh, we wasn't that very, heartbreaking? Yeah, and we were really intentional about like, you know, we barely drank for the entire day 
Um, I think we split a bottle of uh, like darkness or something with our wedding party at one point. Yeah, that's right. That was fun. And then like, you know, after the dinner, barely anything. And reception, barely anything. And because of that, like... We, we do both, remember the whole day. I remember the whole day. It was beautiful. It was one of those beautiful days ever. We did so many things. Like we played yard games, you know, had our pictures taken. Obviously our ceremony was lovely. And it's like, that's really nice. And it's always sad, you know, when I hear someone there's like, oh yeah, wedding day. Like I was just, I was fucked up the whole time. Yeah. And it's just like, why? Yeah. Right. Wouldn't you want to experience Can't you just that? do that at a bar? Yeah. <laughs> Which I should also note that we did go out to Mort's afterwards and yeah. proceeded to get fucked up there. Right. But That's the true. actual like wedding, like we, we were like, no, like we're here. Like let's 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 live this experience. So for the record, I drank a cartoonish amount of alcohol at my wedding, but I st- I can steal myself yeah. for events that I know I'm going to be drinking a lot yeah. during. And so it had very little effect on me. I would have had more, but um, I don't know if you've ever had Spanx on before, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. When I was, when I was macho off. man for Halloween. Okay, good. <laughs> so, I was like, I've had a wrestling singlet on. Does that count? <laughs> yes. Count. Are those spanks? Right. Wrestling tights are kind of spanks, like, right? Similar. Hold up a dress and take off your spanks. <laughs> um, well, shit. Let's have a let's have a shot to love, to real love. Hey. We had a really small ceremony, and then we threw a big party mm-hmm. after our honeymoon, and we had thirty-one people. And my favorite thing, looking back on it. Aside from actually getting to, to hear the words that we were married, yeah. my favorite part of the entire thing was that because not everybody knew each other that was there, we got to go around person by person and explain why they were at our wedding. That's cute. So we got like an intimate moment with each one of our friends and family members in front of everybody else to talk about it. And when I close my eyes and I think about that day, it's like her smile when she was walking down the aisle and then right below that is that moment with all those people. Yeah. And just getting like a little... Little moment for love us. That. Mm-hmm. Well, and like what you said about how the love songs and the love stories and the fables of being in love, like those are so wrong. But so are the fables about like your actual wedding day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Charles, like you got bad advice about um, you're not going to remember it at all. It's just going to fly by. Right. Like, I think it's maybe maybe somewhat in in cis relationships, it's probably more true for women. Like, there's a lie that's kind of t- told to you about your wedding day and what it's going to be like and you don't have to play into that. Yeah. Like I worry, I was kind of like, well, we're going to do this legal ceremony for immigration because you, in, when you immigrate, you can only have six months without a green card. And mm-hmm. we were a couple months over it. And every time someone would like knock on the door of our condo, I'd get a little nervous. Like, obviously it's unlikely that someone would come after Rick. I completely recognize that, but it was still really nerve wracking for us. And so we decided to do the legal ceremony. And in the back of my mind, I was like, is this going to take away from like the specialness of the actual day? And I'm like, no, this is, this is the actual day. Like I had to reframe it. And later on we get to celebrate with our family and friends and have a, you know, what we, what we envisioned, but this is just like, words on a page so that Rick right. doesn't kicked, get kicked out of America. Don't and, tell our immigration. Yeah, and our, and our legal ceremony was lovely, too. I mean, we invited just a handful of really close friends to come, like, as witnesses, and even the, the judge who married us was like, you know, most people who come in and do these, like, she was, like, emotional. She, she was like, surprised that we yeah, had, like, a she's, bouquet. She's and... like, most people who come in and do these things, it's very much like, just sign on the dotted line and that's it. And right, get it over with. Yeah, and she even, she yeah. even knew that, like, it was an immigration timeline and stuff like that and and she was like I just can't believe like you brought your friends and like you guys are all 
Like this feels like a real wedding, and we're like, well, I mean, because it, it, it fucking is. It, it is. And then yeah. we went out for pizza, birch. And then you stable. took a selfie with the judge. Took a selfie with the judge. Send that over to the immigration. <laughs> yeah. And it did not take away from the specialness, of course, of yeah. the of the ceremony. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I did tell if if I can add a, a final point. I told Marnie because you know there was a little bit of like, oh, what about these guys who don't like each other? Mm. That whole thing. Mm-hmm. I, I looked her in the eyes, and it was me giving wedding advice, having never been married. To my wife, I said, look, this party is, is for everyone, including us. Mm-hmm. It's like when we have a barbecue. We like, to, we like to entertain people, but it's not because we want to show them a good time. It's because we want to have a good time with them. So don't, don't cater to anybody else. Mm-hmm. They're here to celebrate Absolutely. with us. Mm-hmm. Not, they're not here to celebrate us, and we're not here to cater to them. They're here to celebrate with us. It's a party for everyone, including them, including us. Like, don't let anyone else impede our mm-hmm. joy on this day. And if they are, just, you know, give them a smile and turn around and come walk towards me and, and we'll go stand somewhere else. <laughs> and, of course, it, it, went, it went swimmingly. And, of course. You know, I, I don't think it was because of my advice necessarily, but it was also the mentality that I went into it with was that, I'm going to fucking enjoy myself today. And there were a couple of times that I did kind of bridezilla it up and it's the event planner in me. And there was a couple of things that didn't like work according to plan. And so I had to, I'm like, why aren't these bubbles on ice? And I did it myself and someone yelled at me for doing it. I'm like, it's Hi. just got to, I'm standing here and it's got to be on the ice. So I'm going to yeah. put it in the ice. I'm not going to yell at you later. I just want that to be on the ice. And then I walked away. It took like 40 seconds. So there was a couple of moments like that, but it was just because I wanted to enjoy the party more. I wanted it to be enjoyable for everyone, including myself. I wanted those bubbles chilled so I could have some. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that was, the, that was the, the, the theme of the day. I just wanted everyone to enjoy themselves, us included. When, when he was getting ready before the ceremony, I swung by with, uh, with some beers and, and a, a drink for Tony. And <clears throat> I had this moment in my car where I'm like, I have nothing to do with this ceremony. Like, am I really should I really be doing this? This is fucking annoying. And I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if I ever told you this, but, uh, that was the thing that actually got me to be like, no, fuck it. I'm going out there. Cause I knew you of all people would have told me no, if you didn't want me to come by, you would have been like, for no. sure. But there, yeah, there are yeah. some people that would, there was no say time yes or something, I'd be like, I'll see you shortly. Yeah. But no, absolutely not. And every, I think everyone thinks that way about someone's wedding that is about to happen or is, is happening that like you're a nuisance for saying hello. Absolutely. Or, you know, I certainly feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at your yeah. wedding, did you feel like anyone was being a nuisance for saying hello? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I don't, I think that that's a misnomer. Another thing is with all the help we needed to, to put our wedding on because we did all the planning and yeah. it was a, you know, it was, it was a village made it come together. Yeah. Our friends who make cocktails and beer and, and everything else, just knowing all the work that went into it, this is a piece of advice having been married for anybody who is going to get married that I know I will help you. What do you need? Yes. I will fucking help you. Mm-hmm. No question. Don't be embarrassed to ask. Cause I know at times I was like, I don't want to put any emotional labor on anybody. I just want them to enjoy themselves. And then I had friends being like, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? I picked yeah. up two boxes of donuts. Like we really? were so paralyzed on the planning process. We couldn't even buy a planning book. We were like, this doesn't sound like this. This doesn't look like us. This doesn't feel right. Yeah. We literally bought an empty binder yeah. and just built the plan ourselves. And, and it, yes, I completely agree. Call on your friends and family because they want, want to help. To help. Mm-hmm. And that's sure, that's yeah. something we learned. I mean, we had, you know, we had Win 65. We had Travis and Jason we cater We had three for photographers us. who were all friends who took three, shifts. Three Amazing. photographers. You know, uh, one, two who live locally. One, my very good friend Fanny, who flew in from Montreal. She was invited anyways. And she said, let me take some photos mm-hmm. for you guys. She did all nice. the prep photos. 
And she was like, don't pay me. We paid for her for her yeah. airfare yeah. because we're nice. like, we have to give you something. And I do and videos for my friends because I bought oh, the camera great. for my studio yeah. for my wedding. Yeah. And so I offer for my other friends. My friends doing Haley. I was like, let me take a video. And they're like, can mm-hmm. we cook you dinner? I'm like, okay. People, yeah, people, exactly. just, people were coming out of the woodwork to help us out. My friend Jackie, she's like, what do you got? She's like, she, I mean, she didn't take no for an answer. She's yeah. like, hey, can I do your wedding cake? And we were like, we don't want a wedding cake, no. but would you be comfy making some donuts for us? And she yeah. was like, how many do you want? And yeah. we are like, I don't know, 200? She's like, I got it. Made, <laughs> just made us 200 <laughs> donuts, like nothing. And a cake, because, because Paige's mom was really adamant that we had to cut Something, cake. yeah. yeah. Six it's inches a around. Six-inch cake. Yeah, it's like, I mean, people just came, uh, your friend Mark did all the lighting, lighting for us. Like, all these people just came out of the woodwork, and they're like, How It's really fun help? to see, actually. Yeah. And all that's, your I think that's another thing. And I've talked to some folks, you know, who are like, I'm getting married. This is so expensive. And I'm like, mm. yes, it is. Weddings are very expensive. That's No one is going to deny that. But reach out to your circle yeah. and see, especially yes. folks in the service industry. Like, mm-hmm. you, will, you will have a bartender who's like, I will do the whole night for tips. I don't care. Yep. I just want to be there and I want you to have a good time. And I love bartending. You know, it's like people just, yeah, like, I don't know. Folks were just coming out of the woodwork for us. And anyway, like, how can we help? What can we do? And yeah. So, utilize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. it's, it's economical for one. Um, yeah. And it also does bring people into the fold who maybe like what we found was folks who were like, you know, not necessarily like invited, but they were like on the inside fold mm-hmm. and they were like, this is so cool. Like I get to, you know, like I'm at your wedding right now. A way to participate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. It's like, it's like, all right, cool. Like, I'm glad that you're, like, <coughs> yeah, we're, we, we're happy you're here. Like, Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And using, using bartering is important as well, yeah. which I found with my unique set of skills and the skills of my studio you guys did my rehearsal dinner and still i'm helping one of my you favorite dinners i've ever done uh, still uh, one of my favorite dinners i've ever had yes, so that was, that was yeah that was that space worked so brilliantly and i didn't realize that you could dine in that space but then when it was converted to a dining space it was like the coolest dining room mm-hmm. and i don't know if anyone's ever had a meal out there this was at a art building in, in the california, california building, arts yeah. building yeah. and the, the foyer in the front with like these big windows and art all over the walls and stuff and it was absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. but yeah these these two and and their crew made an absolutely beautiful meal perfect pairings yeah it was yeah it was that's a great example of like using your connections for sure, for sure. yeah that was like that constituted so much of our wedding because mm-hmm. we probably i mean you know i'm not gonna say what we paid and then what we should have paid but <laughs> substantially less mm-hmm. because of our friends like yes. blue jay ballard making yeah. cocktails and yes, you guys doing blue. the rehearsal dinner and and all the other in-betweens, friends bringing kegs, like schlepping kegs up. Like, right. what do you want, a Pilsner? I'll bring you a Pilsner. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, up, it's amazing. My hosted beer was dangerous, man. And yeah. it was yeah. fucking beautiful. And yeah. Rob and Sarah are wonderful humans. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> all right, should we, should we move on? Let's do it. I yes. think it's you. <laughs> We did already take our shot, too, didn't we? We did. Okay. Yeah, we kept wow. talking. We just love love. We, we love love. We doubled yeah. down on the way. Who doesn't love stuff. love? Tonight on Loving Love. <laughs> I'd like to say sorry to anybody that jumped off because they don't like all the wedding talk, but they're not here anymore. <laughs> we're back, also please. like not the typical wedding people. Yeah, we're exactly. We're going to tell yeah, you yeah, how yeah. to do it your way. Our metrics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. End up on a wedding metrics. podcast. <laughs> we take over wedding culture in Australia. <laughs> we're trending. <laughs> so we're all members of the vaunted runny nose gang. Hollow. Oh, yeah, dude. So we all love spicy food. That's basically, it's, it's a little group that we have where we do hot sauce parties. We all ferment hot sauces and then we make an accompanying dish and uh, often a, a beverage to go along with it. 
and we just spice it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are you ordinarily of the impress that all food is better when it's spicy or is it all about time and place? So like, do you prefer to make all of your food spicy or do you just, is it, is it time and place? Like there are certain dishes that you like to be spicy and some not. I don't necessarily think that all food is better spicy. However, I do think it's nice to be able to like add spice as you're cooking and then add spice as you're eating. So I think about it as like spice as flavor, like for all of us who've been cooking like every single damn meal for the last 18 months in our own homes, it's like you, we've learned a lot about like, okay, I cannot eat plain chicken or whatever again. And you start to experiment with spices, but then the actual heat element we're actually more inclined to add afterwards. Like we'll add hot sauce at the table versus making a dish hot. Mm. At least that's my, my kind of feeling about it. But um, I also like, because we're in a group, we've traded hot sauces and we've gotten to know like different kinds of heat. So to me, like there are certain hot sauces in our cabinet and pantry that we lean lean towards for like breakfast yeah. versus like wings, for example, or pizza. Absolutely. So we're Absolutely. getting to learn like, okay, I like a little bit of heat, but I like a fruity heat, for example, like on, on breakfast versus like wings, I like it to be a smoky heat. So it's more of like the variety of flavors versus like the degree of hotness to me. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same wheelhouse too, where it's like, I mean, don't get me wrong, scrambled eggs with like, like Frank's red hot sauce, or even just like a Louisiana hot sauce, like that nice vinegary kind of hot sauce on scrambled eggs is one of my favorite things to eat in the whole world. Um, it's, you know, talk about like where we started, like these simple things is like, there's just something about hot sauce on eggs that I, I'll every time I will always, always put hot sauce on my eggs. Um, in terms of making like hot dishes. Yeah. I think it it depends on what I'm making. Um, if we, if we decide that we're going to try out like some Thai recipe or something like that, then it's like, all right, like, let's get, you know, we got some bird's eye chilies. Like Mm. this is what the recipe calls for. Like, you know, we're going to grind those up in the mortar and pestle and like, that's going to be a hot dish. We know, I mean, it's like, I know that going into it, you kind of set out saying like, we're making something hot tonight. Or if I'm doing salsas, like generally if I'm doing a salsa, like there are whole chilies are going in there because I like my salsas to be hot. Yes. But I'm putting salsa on things. I'm putting it on my tacos. I'm putting it on nachos on, you know, whatever. So yeah, I'm a little bit of both. Like I, and I think if I'm going out to eat though, that's, that's like, if I want Szechuan, I want heat. Mm-hmm. Like I am not mm-hmm. going to a Szechuan. I'm not going to be eating Szechuan if I don't get like that tingly peppercorn on your tongue. Mm-hmm. Like I, right. if it doesn't have that, then I'm kind of like, ah, dang, like, you know, oh, I missed out. But when you get it or like Mapo tofu, like something like oh, that, yeah. when you get that and you're just like, you start sweating a little, you're like, oh <laughs> baby. Like feel like you're sweating on the inside a little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Wait, exactly. Exactly. Like, like, can tingly. people tell? <laughs> yeah. Um, or, or if you go up to, uh, to Maya and the, the salsa bar, which is like labeled mm. for the most part, but Maya sauce. you got to get that orange <laughs> for the most yeah, part, it's labeled for the most well, part. newcomers with the Maya sauce don't know it's their hottest sauce. Cause it's, it's the titular it's, sauce. Right. Oh. It's called Maya sauce. Yeah. And, and you, you, you have some of that and you're like, like you're sitting there with your tacos just like. Wow. Well, but you're also talking about like cuisine specific heat, which yeah. I appre- I've gotten to appreciate more because of you. Like, if we're sitting down and having Thai, and I get the like sriracha or something, I'd be like, actually try like nok cham or like a mm-hmm. different kind of. Because we're all kind of I'm kind of dumb about like cultural 
uh, hot sauces. So like, it's nice to experiment with somebody who's like, oh, try this specific thing because it's yeah. meant for this cuisine. Yeah. yeah. Or, and, and like you see it too, especially, especially regionally. It's like, yeah, like, you know, the, the heat that you get from a Thai dish is so radically right. different than the heat that you get from, from an Indian dish or from a Mexican dish. Mm-hmm. It's, right. it's very, it's a very different style of hot. And I think like when you have it, it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm grinning ear to ear. Cause like when you have <laughs> it and you have that, you're just like, wow. Like, and it, it's something that I'm not well versed in. Like I don't, you know, I, I kind of stick to my, like my French, like hyper seasonal style of food. Um, you know, mostly for like appropriation's sake, you know, like I'm not going to do a pop, I'm not going to do a Mexican pop up, like mm-hmm. unless I'm working with a Mexican chef, which I did do once. Sure. It was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, I'm going to, if it's my food, like it's going to be what I'm doing. Um, but like, you know, that being said, yeah, it's like, if, if you go out, you go to a Thai place, you get that. It's like, it's outstanding. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, it's like meant to be. But yeah, I, I like auxiliary sauces and I think part of the runny nose gang has kind of taught me that, that like, you know, like your, what do you call it? S- Sunday morning gravy or Saturday morning? Saturday morning gravy. Sunday, I think it's. I think it was just Sunday gravy. No, sa- no Saturday night gravy. Okay. Saturday night, night gravy. Because like it's like that? Nona, Nona makes the Sunday gravy for <laughs> pasta. I make the gravy for your pizza <laughs> yes. on Saturday. Mamma mia. We I love mean, that I stuff. put that, like, you know, I'll quote. I put that bleep. Uh, yeah, I'll quote. Uh, here's here's the third quote of the day. Frank's Red Hot. I put that shit on everything. Right. That's what Charles' yeah. hot sauce. I mean, it, the flavor profile of that. See, I told so you the same good. thing, man. That oh. shit was the jam. It's so good. That's my harvest hot sauce. I make that same one every year. Ugh. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm going to go because I want to contextualize this a little yeah. bit. So, we do concept development at Pat Moss as well because, you know, breweries would be like, what do we brew? What do people want? We do a lot of, uh, we collect a lot of data. Like, mm-hmm. we do a lot of surveying. I pay a lot of money to get people's opinions hmm. around the country. Uh, you, can, you can identify so many different demographics based on, like, local, regional, international. Like, so many, there's so many indicators of demographics. I collect data on styles and help to indicate, like, well, this style's going in, this one's coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... We do it yeah. sometimes with food as well. So the Iron Exchange is a, a, a brew pub that opened last year in Maple, Maple Plain, Minnesota. Plain, yeah. Yeah. I conceptualized their menu for them. Uh, ended up working with a couple of different chefs. But the actual concept of the menu, the first thing I pitched was like German comfort food. So fast, casual German comfort food. Cool. So like schnitzel and things like that. Just like easy to order, quick, really sticks to your ribs. Mm-hmm. And then German beer that goes really nicely with it but instead of being hyper traditional it was going to be more like a hunting lodge but sort of like uh traditional in aesthetic but feel more modernistic in that like it's a it's a bar you know there'd be like record players and you know uh, busts on the wall and things like that but you would still feel like like nouveau bavaria right and and that was rebuffed like it it didn't go over well okay like oh no i don't know about that we want to do something more modern so the menu ended up being like very modern bar food, like all the things that people want. So your crunchy wings, your smash burger, things of that nature. So a mechanism that I put into place that I thought was very clever and has gone over incredibly well is on both sides of the menu, there's a little block. There are three things that you can add to your food. You can add a fried egg to anything. Perfect. You can add a form of bacon, sorry, Quan, to everything. So it could be pancetta, it could be prosciutto, it could be thick cut bacon. You can make, you can make it hot. Cool. So, dollar an egg. The restaurant will take that all day. A dollar for an egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll fry a fucking egg and put it on your pizza. For a dollar. Right, for a dollar. Yeah. Uh, a dollar to make it spicy. That can be 
crushed red peppercorn. That could be, I won't get into the bacon one. I'll spare qualm that conversation. But the spicy thing, it could be I'm not anti bacon. I just think no, it's <laughs> hack. But, but that's why I like contextually, it allowed the chefs to play with that in their minds. So with the spiciness, so the sear tuna sandwich, like spicy tuna roll. Okay, like we can find yeah, a way to make like that spicy. Wasabi. Or like, a, yeah, or the, the burger. What do you do to make, you know, make the mayo spicier? Like add more hot sauce to the mayo. Yeah. Um, I like go this. across the board, you know, the crushed red peppercorn on a fucking pizza. That's right. Like, right. You can give them the shaker. They don't got to pay for right. that. Jalapenos right. and the fish tacos. Yeah, like, like there's, that's there's really, so, I like that. Smart, there are yeah. a myriad ways. So like name a food, like mac and cheese, <laughs> the uh, uh, red hot Cheetos on right. top. <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for me, so I'm like talking about as personally as an eater, I if I go somewhere and the chef is preparing something for me, I'm not going to tell him. I am not. I don't want the salt shaker and I don't want the hot sauce. If, yeah. if I'm at a fancy restaurant or a, just, I don't want to say fancy, at a nice restaurant, I'm not going to tell the chef to make it spicy. Yeah. I'm going to say serve it to me the way that you want me to eat it. Right. And but then she'll decide what's going to be ideal for that dish. Certainly. Yeah. But for myself, if I'm preparing food. Uh, I do have to leverage, like you both like spicy food, but Marnie doesn't like spicy food as much as me. She likes more heat than she thought she did when we met, but she also doesn't always want heat with her meal. Sure. So on her birthday dinner last Sunday when we were with San Dujan, she just didn't want heat. And so we didn't really get mm-hmm. anything spicy. However, for me, everything I prepare, I want to add an element of heat. And frequently that includes desserts. Like I don't like yeah. chocolate, but spicy chocolate, hello. Yeah. Um, that's the actually, Hello. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that uh, work. Piggyback. Get, what is it? Come get, get this come work. Get, come get this, get this work. work. That's the one. Oh, I'm gonna man, piggyback man. two things off that. I should have brought a can of this. Um, uh, DM. We just released a Mexican chocolate double stout, and it's got this nice. They they threw a ton of arbols into mm. it, I think in fermentation, and it has got this like level of heat that mm. is so perfect. It's like. It's mind-blowing. But when you said German, and then you said, like, elevated German, that reminds me of an interesting experience. We ate at this restaurant in Kansas City, I think, called Affair. And it's, to my knowledge, the only place in America that's doing this. It is German fine dining. Dope. There's got to be another cool. one. There there has to we'll be. just say it's the only one. And that's the thing. We saw it. It just I just saw it on the map, and it's and the way it was spelled, I thought that it was a French restaurant. And again, guilty as charged. I love mm. a good French restaurant. And I clicked it, and it was like modern German food. And I was like, this is oh, interesting. Oh, wow. That's super yes. cool. Yeah. And it was – we – and this is a dumb thing. We got the tasting menu um, because we're like, well, we'll just do the tasting menu. And honestly, we found it to be a little bit boring. But but only in the sense that like everything on the the regular yes. menu sounded so interesting and more German oh, yeah. and more German and I'm the like, tasting what? menu was was kind of just like here's some French food yeah oh, so off the rails which like right. usually it's the opposite and then we where like the if you want to go full out. tilt you go with the and we saw tasting the food menu. coming out to the other tables and I was like I want that I want that oh, so the next a, time yeah, we go to Casey we're definitely gonna hit them up again and just order off the regular menu but it's that thing where it's like. You, was that a no? <laughs> no, I agree. Okay, it yeah. was so we it's felt a, so foolish. We got to the end. We we're like, what the hell? Like we is, thought we were we going. Just, like, yeah, it is going all in. Reverse, we got like, the pairings right. and everything. And so, and so that and that that's yeah. We got the pairings and everything. <laughs> like, and and you, it, you guys it, got an omakase, and they were like California roll, yeah, right, fucking right. shrimp tempura roll. And it was so. But you know, it's it's that interesting thing. Like you know, we talk a lot about, especially in the fine dining world, is like how can you elevate? How can you you know? Like I've I've pondered this. My heritage is is Ukrainian. And I've pondered for years, like, how can you elevate Ukrainian food? For myself, as someone who grew up eating a lot of Ukrainian food, I'm like, 
would I even want to? Do I need an <laughs> elevated pierogi? Do I need elevated Nalesnica? It's like cottage cheese roll. Like, do I need that to be elevated? Probably not. But it could be something cool for someone else. Yeah. Right. It's been like, well, when I think of Ukrainian food, I think of kielbasa and, and uh, pierogies and like that's it. Have you experimented and, with Ukrainian flavors and tried to elevate them in ways that have surprised, have, you've surprised yourself? I have slowly been kind of messing around Mm -hmm. i'm obsessed lately with black bread i really really want to make black bread we watched uh anthony bourdain uh, we've been watching no reservations because it's just so much fun yeah anthony bourdain in the kiev episode and he he goes to kiev and these guys these guys put away a bottle and a half of vodka over lunch yeah i remember that Mm -hmm. psychotic Mm -hmm. he's hanging out with that little crazy little guy mm, he's crazy the Mm -hmm. one who wanted to make vodka out of chicken poop yeah (laughs) Yeah. and so and but then you know they go to chernobyl they do this whole thing i'm just like yeah but they're like we should leave the geiger counter is like (laughs) the geiger counter is going off and they're like it's time to go um but they had this whole kind of segment on there about black bread and i was like yeah i mean black bread i didn't really eat it a lot growing up but when I actually moved to Montreal, I ate a lot of black bread. We had this this Russian guy, Karel, and he it was like the super low key cash only shit where he would just like show up at the restaurant like once a month and he would just drop off the black bread and like that was it. And you know it's like cash under the table situation, whatever. Sure. Um, and so lately, yeah, I've been kind of playing with that and thinking like, well, like I should learn how to make black bread. I should, I should, cause that, you know, that could be something fun. Can you describe this for our listeners? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please. So, uh, it's, I don't I, fully know what it is. I just, the, oh the loaf itself is a very deep, deep mm-hmm. brown, like going back to cigars, it, it will look like one of the darkest cigars you can pick up almost black. Uh, Before it's surprised we never had this at Kramarchek's because I, when I was in college I worked at Kramarchek's, but yeah. oh, interesting. Not, that was not an item on the bakery list. Yeah, and it's it's super it's interesting. And so what they do is it, it is an enriched bread. So there's usually like eggs and um, and molasses is really mm-hmm. common. Uh, you put molasses in it, and then like caraway and coriander and like cardamom, like all these like big rich spices. So it's a very intense bread. You just need is it, like as dense as it sounds. It's it pretty like a, dense. Yeah. yeah. So what's the application? Do you eat it by yourself? Do you toast it? Do you put it in other things? Yeah, so you toast it. Um, on that episode of No Reservations, actually, they were having it with caviar. Oh, yeah, I don't remember this. Okay. Yeah, they were having it with caviar, and I was just like, yeah, that big, salty, punchy caviar with this, like, robust, spice-forward bread. I was, like, I was like salivating watching that episode. I'm like, that sounds great. Um, so, yeah, that's something that I've been sort of playing with, I guess. But then just also trying to look a little bit more at, like, Eastern European cuisine in general and, like, sure. you know, focus on heartier things like mm-hmm. beets. And, you know I, know, I know I did, like, an elevated borscht one time, which, like, you, you do kind of grapple with that, though. You know, and, I, and I'm sure a lot of chefs who, you know, like, I'm, I'm white, right? So, like, it's whatever. But I'm sure a lot of chefs can kind of sit with that and be like, well... I never grew up eating food like, like eating this like this. Mm-hmm. But how can I translate those flavors into something that is elevated still, but also harkens back to like where I come from? And can I eat this dish and feel like home? Yeah. Sure. I don't know. You know. It is so analogous to that, and I keep using. I've said that too many times. <laughs> I've said analogous now four times. On a similar so, note, Mediterranean food. And Arab food is also, it's all about simplicity and freshness of ingredients. And you can't, there, there aren't recipes. I asked my aunt how to make tabbouleh. She takes a handful of bulgur wheat and goes, hmm. 
and throws it in the bowl. <laughs> we had the same problem what? with pierogies. We had like a pierogi meltdown when we yeah, were trying oh to gosh. follow Rick's so I, grandma's recipe because she just would add stuff. I called my mother almost in tears. Yeah. And I said, Mom, I cannot do grandma's pierogies. Okay. What is going on? My what dough is, is like mm-hmm. soup. And she's like, well, I gave you the recipe. And I was like, yeah, I got my six and a half cups of flour. I needed that. I added my water. Like, I did yeah. everything. And I hear my dad on speakerphone. He's like, six and a half cups. Oh, no, it's like 12 cups. Easily. <laughs> I'm like, hold on, hold on. Oh, you just missed the mark. You just my missed mom, the mark. My mom was like, well, yeah, did you read the direction where it says to, Keep add, adding to gradually flour. add flour? And I was like. Until 12 cups. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I was like, mom, you wrote in the recipe six and a half. And She's she like, was, oh, you just start with that. Yeah, exactly. She's like, you start with that. And, yeah. then, and my dad was like, yeah, by the time you're done, it's like a bag of flour. And I was like. Well, thank you. That's Anyways, amazing. Uh, sorry to cut you so off. So we on can that. completely relate. So, the, the, but the example I was going to make is if if you look at the like culturally, East European food is the same way. Like you know, the right ingredients, the right measures, and then you have like a consistent product. If you look at what uh, Sam Awadi did at Saffron, mm-hmm. he didn't reconfigure or reimagine the flavors that he grew up with. Ah, he just did them like really. Uh, elevated and clean and smart and and elegant. So I think that maybe some people look at certain cultures and say, like, can we really elevate this by deconstruction and reimagining? But maybe it's not necessarily about that. Because there's there are Russian restaurants. There's a Russian restaurant on Chef's Table on Netflix that is amazing. astonishing yeah, looking. But it doesn't look like he's being subversive or weird or, like, ruining his own culture he says some people do have a problem with what he's doing Mm -hmm. Hmm. but i guess it's similar to if you look at italian fine dining or Mm -hmm. mexican fine dining which 10 years ago we didn't have either of those things and now we have them both i think you need to like look in the nooks and crannies of Mm -hmm. where you know that we've lost some of the things that maybe would be considered uh fine dining now even for ukrainian culture are maybe just recipes that have been lost to time because we only eat humble food. Right. We only eat humble Ukrainian food. In, or like in this methods hemisphere. too that have been lost to time. Like Certainly. I remember the very yeah. first episode we watched of um, Eat the World with Mari Batali. Not Mari Batali. Uh, Emeril Lagasse. Yep. Not the same person. Um, we he watch went Mar- to. Stuff I know. Right. I know. Um, he went to a restaurant in Sweden. And they were doing all of this cooking where they would, the food would stay raw, but they were, remember, they were like cooking the oil, heating up other elements, and then those elements would go into the fresh ingredients. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how, I don't remember the name of the chef, but it was Sweden, and he was talking about how that is a traditional technique. And we're seeing that in beer, too. Like Mm -hmm. when you talk about kvike yeast Mm -hmm. or the way that um, like smoked beers are making a little bit of a resurgence because of the Norwegian smoked history. It's just like, it's not about elevating it. It's about bringing it to people who haven't had that before and maybe maybe resurrecting the technique, but the flavors and the ingredients aren't going to change. Well, Potatoes are potatoes. Speaking speaking directly to that, uh, the same way that you were talking about Ukrainian food is the way that my family talked about Scandinavian food. Exactly. And then like fucking gestures at Noma. Like literally like one of the best restaurants in the history of the world is just figuring out different ways to do that. And it's trying to distill out like, well, what are the flavors that you consider home? And then what would you do with those if you didn't have your entire life of thinking it's this way? Right. What would you do with those flavors if you just got to walk in with a clean slate and where do you go from there? Mm -hmm. And, you know, René does his 
incredible technique on different mm-hmm. dishes. And now you see it popping up everywhere. You know, you yeah. go to Fika and they're doing really oh, Fika. amazing Fika shit. Fika is underrated right? over yep. there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, super underrated. Yeah. Uh, but that's I, I true. Think... Like everyone's like, well, we're all, we're all a little bit Scandinavian. You know, like we live in the Midwest and it's like, but think about it like not a church basement potluck. Right. Like think right. about the seasons in that place. Think mm-hmm. about the ingredients in that place. Like what's available to the fishermen, to mm-hmm. the foragers. Mm-hmm. Like it just makes it that much more authentic. I think about the first time I ever ate at uh, Empalon in, in New York City. And that was, I mean, probably close to 10 years ago at this point. And I was blown away. And I'm blanking on the name of the chef now. But, like, that wasn't, you know, that was his, like, just a step below the super fine Mexican experience. And I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. I, and it was something so simple. Uh, it, was, it was pistachios on, on their guacamole. Mm. And so I had never eaten, you know, in Canada, there's not a ton of Mexican food. <laughs> there certainly isn't a ton of that, like, elevated stuff, right? So I had never seen that before, and I didn't really know what it was going to be. I was like, pistachios on guacamole, interesting. And, of course, they had their, you know, their handmade tortillas, like, really, like, high-end. And it was this, like, revelatory experience where it was, like, growing up Mexican food to me had been, you know, very Tex-Mex, like very burritos and quesadillas and, and stuff. And like there's obviously a, a wonderful place for that in the sphere of, of the culinary world. But I had never experienced Mexican food quite like that. And yeah. it came down to this like pistachios on guacamole. And it's like I ate it and I was like, yes. That works. Yeah, I'm like, that's, that, that's incredible. And like, yeah, like let's go. And I, and I had heard too that they kind of faced some criticism because, you know, some of the... Um, some folks weren't comfortable paying a hundred dollars a head for Mexican food. So don't go. I'll go. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. And and then that exposed like a much broader issue. I feel like Tablabombo had that issue too. Yep. Like Frontera Grill, Tablabombo. Uh-huh. Like they yep. bash, well, face a little like, bit of backlash. Mexican. Like why would I pay that much? And like, there's the mm-hmm. issue of like, okay, though chef is white, but like he has spent a ton of time in Mexico and mm-hmm. has cultivated relationships with people and really is doing it well. And that's a whole other ball of wax. But the issue of appropriation, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but we need that. We yeah, need those breakthroughs with every culture, so it's not like how come this taco is not seventy nine cents, <laughs> right? You know? yeah. So, Quam, do you like all your food to be spicy? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Holy question. shit! <laughs> Holy shit! Where did we start? <laughs> Ooh, okay. All right, all right. Hold on. Uh, what's a good way to say? It? Okay, uh, when I go to a restaurant, I I'm the opposite of you. I don't enjoy spicy dessert. I if it's sweet. I don't enjoy heat with it usually. There's been a few exceptions in my day. Mm-hmm. I don't normally love it. If it's savory, I will love spice. Hmm. When I'm at a restaurant, if it's a, like a good restaurant that I'm going to because I'm excited about the food, not because we were drunk and it's right there, <laughs> um, I will always just say whatever the chef has decided this is the recipe, sure. I'm going to do that. I would never, I very, very, very rarely am I the guy that asks for some heat to come out unless I really actually am disappointed in the dish and it's bland and I'm just trying to make it something I would like. Mm-hmm. Come get this word. Now, <laughs> now if, you put <laughs> Somebody's a, gotta. if you put an extension on the tent and you allow in the spicy category, if you allow... Um, like uh, horseradish in there and, and wasabi and even black pepper. Like when I cook at home, my chicken... Hold on. We're trying to get out of the Midwest here. Don't call black pepper. Yeah. No, I'm, no I'm just, I, but, but, but hold on. No, I, 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 will, I will actually hold to this point. I put an unconscionable amount of black yeah, pepper, black pepper in, sure. my, in my chicken noodle soup. Oh. And 
I love when it when just at the very back of your throat you get a little bit of that like mm-hmm. fresh cracked black pepper heat. That's almost a Szechuan effect. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Biscuits and gravy, you cannot do it without having a hilarious amount. Yeah, true. Uh, you know, a, a, a roast beef or a pot roast sandwich. Even like Caesar salad, I really like yeah. a lot of black Same pepper. Same thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but like I'll put three times the amount of horseradish that anybody would ever suggest on my beef sandwich. I mm. love all of that. So if it's for me, like I'll make an entire batch of fucking nampla with, you know, 40 Thai bird's eye chilies and I'll do three or four ounces in my single bowl of mm. ramen. Because that's the way that I'm literally creating it to accentuate and highlight the tangy heat that I'm like my ramen and my nampla almost are created together mm-hmm. and they serve themselves equally. Sure. Like it's a symbiotic relationship. So if I'm making it, I will always put heat in there, like arabiata totally. sauce. Like I will always find a way to sneak in because to me, it, that's like another layer of umami. Where if you just get, it doesn't have to be like sweat. Mm-hmm. It can just be that tingle at the back of your throat and it makes you happy. I'm, I'm into that. And so I think if it's somebody else's food, I always want to just get it however they decided that's the sure. way they want to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I definitely intended for this to be uh, subjective, like individualistic. Like, do you prefer all of your food or what percentage of your food to be spicy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I, the whole way here was trying to think of a savory dish that I make yeah. at home that you I wouldn't. don't add heat to. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't come up sure. with one. I still yeah, don't I think for me. One. It would be like, I, I guess I would say it's, if I'm being realistic and trying to quantify it, probably like 97%. Yeah. Sure. Cause there are certain things like I'm not going to put heat in a lot of, now that we're talking about middle, middle Eastern food, I'm not gonna make tabbouleh spicy. I'm mm-hmm. not going to make hummus spicy, even though they do that in the grocery store. Like to me, that's as a Lebanese boy, that's not, hummus and yeah. you're not supposed to do that so that would qualify for the like the two percent but almost anything else i prepare give me the I'll, fucking heat and i'll say something too that i um didn't start doing until i moved here and i had my first gig at tilia hmm. um part of the like the flavor trail at tilia is always just crushed red chilies and i'd never done that before like what's that's... a flavor trail rick tell the people oh <laughs> a flavor trail is like if you're sauteing something like mushrooms um you've always got your your chopped shallots your chopped garlic your sprigs of thyme your lemon your butter so you saute your mushrooms in in just oil and salt and then once they get to that nice like just about crispy caramely you throw in your shallots your garlic um big hefty squeeze of lemon and if your pan's good and hot it's all just going to form together you throw your knob of butter in there and then and then you just got this nice like mushroom sauteed mushroom sauce kind of situation but what i saw at tilia was that they always threw a pinch of chilies in and a pinch of chilies in like everything like everything that got sauteed even when they just seared varying amounts or just just a little with just everything. a little pinch okay. all the time and i thought it was really interesting mm. and because i you know i in my cooking experience i like if i'm gonna make something spicy it's like i'm setting out to make it spicy and so i'd never seen chili used in a way like you know Antilia for all intents and purposes mostly french you know very french focused anyways and it was like just to see that little touch in there all tickle yeah, just a little tickle. And, like, you might not even get it. Like, even if, like, searing a piece mm-hmm. of salmon, they just, like, throw a couple chilies. I'm like, sure. that's really cool. And it, it really opened my mind in, the, in that sense that, like, how necessary heat is. And especially if you are doing French-focused food, you can throw acid in there all you want to try to balance some of the richness. Right. But that little bit of chili, really, like, it just, it cleanses it. I don't know. It has this way to just... Something else to think about. 
yeah <laughs> to just kind of mm, bring it home mm-hmm. yeah fuck yeah yeah so cheers to that cheers hell yeah no too I'm spicy <laughs> no I'm hungry <laughs> too spicy Um, all right. Is there a skill or a technique that you do not currently know how to do or have mastered that you, you want to, that you wish you could? Is there something like in the back of your head that if you didn't have to worry about work and everything else that you're like, I would learn how to do blank or I would learn to blank. And if you want to, if you want to buy a little bit of time, I, I can definitely talk about it. you mean like completely open possibilities? Or- yeah. Subjective. You can even turn these questions on their head if mm-hmm. you prefer. Which I feel like we've done a handful of times. <laughs> sure. Well, what's funny that you say that is like everyone's been talking about like what they have learned or done in quarantine. Right. So I feel like you've already kind of flipped the question, mm-hmm. which makes sense. I mean, I still would have to think about the specific answer, but I will say that during quarantine, I um, started learning about masonry. I took part of our fireplace apart. And because the bricks were kind of loose and we were going to do some other work around it. So I was like, well, I need to fix this Mm -hmm. before we can tile and put in the gas insert. So I guess I would just say, like, I've really enjoyed learning about those skills that people take like a lifetime to master. But you may just need it like once or twice in your life. And so the question is, like, do you want to learn it and figure it out and like try to do a really good job because it's something you're going to be staring at in your living room for the rest of your life? Or do you want to like hire somebody or ask somebody that's done it before? Um, but in the case of the masonry, I took uh, like about eight bricks out of our fireplace in kind of an L shape. And I had a lot of fear like, is this going to be like a Jenga situation where like you take out <laughs> the, the bottom brick. couple of bricks and everything <laughs> falls down? But I watched like four videos on YouTube and it was really cool to watch like how meticulous people are with such like a specific skill. And I don't even want to say basic, but I mean, it's basic in the sense that like civilization is like built around like how to put brick and mortar together. And so that was really cool to watch people from different parts of the world. Like this is the technique I use. This is why I do it this way. And it's been really interesting to learn something that I'll probably use maybe a handful of times in my life. And to be completely honest, I've taken it apart. I've like taken off the concrete out of all off of all of the bricks I haven't yet put it back together. I feel like I, I will be okay doing it, but it's been so humid. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that's a really good question because you, when, you are in, when you encounter something like that, like in your house or your yard or your job, it's like you kind of have to decide, is it worth mm-hmm. like buying the tools and learning about it? But I will make a plug on a related note that during quarantine, we joined our local Buy Nothing group, which is a group, it's like... Um, I'm unfamiliar. It's a movement all throughout, I, w- I want to say the world, but definitely the United States, that I had never heard about. And I think it goes to your question about like learning skills, because it's a great way to like ask, ask your neighbors, like, can I borrow this, or can I learn this skill from you? Um, and I first read about it early in the pandemic in a magazine, and I was like, this is weird. Like, it's a... It's like a group of neighbors. They try to do it locally based, like within several neighborhoods um, where you just like exchange things or like give things away, ask for things. There's like no trades allowed, no money allowed. It's all like they call it like a gift economy. And we were invited by a neighbor of ours maybe about four months ago. And it's been really cool to see like what people ask for and they want to donate or donate their time. 
Um, so that's just kind of like a related thing that then makes you think of. Yeah. Um, but I would have to think a little bit more about like a specific skill because mm-hmm. there are many things I would like to learn, but yeah, alternative. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the same. Like there's a lot of skills that I would like to learn. There's, I mean, a myriad of them. One of my best friends back in Montreal, he is, he comes from a family of Luthers. He knows how to build guitars. Yeah. Um, which I'm like, that is fascinating and incredible. Shout out um, to friend of the podcast, Nick Hemfer, who has currently taught himself that skill and is, oh, on, really? his, and is on his third he's guitar right now. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. That's cool. He's, uh, he's, he's amazing. And I like, I'm running out of fawning adjectives to use when he sends me pictures. <laughs> right. Cause he right. keeps sending me these amazing right. looking it's gorgeous very Renaissance fucking man. To, to qualify each time he does it, he's, becoming he's going back further and further into the process but he's not he's not making everything by hand no sure but he's i think that he would like to get there and he has a lot of talents like he was showing me his last night he was showing me his aquarium and telling me how he wants to yeah build a giant like uh uh, aqua garden yep. with tilapia and plants oh and stuff. I'm like, you live in an apartment. Like aquaponics? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, and, and you need a little more space, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something about this friend. Like, he's, he is a jack of all trades. Um, and back to the wedding thing. He's getting married in August, and yeah. I really, really hope the border can reopen because I'm in his wedding party, and I want to go. So I think August, should. you're good. I think you're... Yeah. I, I think the I odds really are good. So. We'll see. It's not so, yeah, it's not so good up in Manitoba right now, but Quebec has it under control, so that's good. Um, but yeah, so, you know, this guy, like, he builds guitars, like, he got into into bread making, but he was like, I want... He's, he's very particular, so he's like, I want to be able to mill my own flour. I'm like, that's crazy. And he's like, and I also want to make yeah. sure that I'm getting, like, non-GMO flour. And I'm like, go for it. And so then he starts milling flour, making bread. He learned how to brew because he was... He kind of fell into an assistant brewery position at this brewery that we all worked at in Montreal. And I'm like... The, like just a sponge and he, mm-hmm. he can cook, you know I mean? Like, uh, like professionally. I'm like, so I, I, I look at like folks like that. And I'm just like, man, like you've got this set of skills that is so unique and so interesting. So, you know, for me, like one thing I would love to learn, I'd love to learn more about woodworking. Woodworking is fascinating. It's beautiful. Um, you know, I, even just looking around here, like these pews, they seem mm-hmm. very simple, but it's like, well, that's, that's really cool. Like, you know, to be able to actually like carve that and like it's, but that's, you know, takes a lifetime to really learn that. And so one thing though, that I have started is, is trying to grow bonsai from seed. Yes. Um, it's really cool. It's Amazing. Very, yeah. Uh, this is this is hilarious. This is like right before the pandemic, literally like like uh, two or three weeks before all the shit went down. Paige, um, who can can I share this? I mean, the zoo. What am I gonna say? So Paige is convinced that she can't get high, um, and I was like, well, you might just need to like try different things. And she's like, well, I smoke joints. I'm like, you know, it's fine. And and so we did edibles, and we went to the zoo, and we right they mm-hmm. kicked in right when we got into the conservatory. Um, penguins. Conservatory. Penguins. I wish the penguins. No. Perfect timing. Some Fight Club got, shit right there. We got into the conservatory, <laughs> and like, and Paige was like, why does it look like greener? Like, why is everything like? like more intense and I was like it's hitting like you're get, you're high you did it good job you know? come get this word I've been trying so hard for so long <laughs> oh my God. and so and so we did it we like went to the zoo and I highly recommend it I, it was, very, it it was very pleasant highly recommend yeah. going to the zoo high it's super fun and can and confirm 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so and so then we get to the gift shop, and I love bonsais. I've always loved them, and we spent way too much time with the bonsais. I'm like, honey, look at this. It's a, it's a Japanese maple. It's so pretty, and don't touch it. You know, it was like. Mm-hmm. And so we get to the to the gift store, the gift shop. At the you were at the Como Conservatory. Como Conservatory. Yeah, some of it. my favorite photos I've ever taken are of those bonsais. I used to work with Como. Oh, really? Yeah, they're so beautiful. They might still be on their website. Yeah, but yeah, that's, they are they are impossible to take bad photos of. Let's say right. that. And and so they had this little like grow a bonsai kit, and I was like, oh cool, like you know, all high baked out. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna grow bonsai. Yeah. It's gonna be great. Let's give it a shot. And so I buy this. I buy this kit. It's like seven dollars. I put the thing in. I follow all the instructions. The world shuts down, and all I can think about is like, well, I'm just gonna keep caring for You're just watching bonsai. it. Yeah, nothing happens. Absolutely nothing. And Come I'm on, like, you little fucker. <laughs> Shaking your fist hike. at it. Paige picks a sprout out of the ground, puts it in the soil to try to make me feel better. It dies immediately. <laughs> I start going on these bonsai blogs, which is a whole world. People are like, oh, yeah, those seed kits from the conservatory, never buy those. They've been sitting in a warehouse since 1992. The seeds are dead. I'm just like, okay. Jeez, okay. You're really opinionated about this. Bonsai conspiracy. Yeah. And so. Great punk band. Okay, that's crazy. And so I I order seeds from this, like, trusted grower in California. I order these seeds, and I follow the directions. And this is months. Like, it's six months before you're supposed to see a sprout. Anything, yeah. So you have no idea. Yeah, and so I get these seeds. They don't sprout. Well, then I do more research, and I learn I apparently picked the hardest seed to grow. Even expert bonsai growers can't get that one to sprout. Oh, it'd be fucking cool if, like, a week later that came up, and you were like, yeah. well, I'm an expert. Yeah, exactly. Like well, now I'm an doing expert. research on the internet. Nailed it. And so I order the easiest seeds to grow, and then I finally get a sprout. I got a sprout okay. about three this weeks This is recently, ago. yeah. Recently, yeah. About three weeks ago, I got right. a sprout. I was well, so Well, how's excited. it going? Is it like... uh, terrible. I killed it immediately. Oh, okay. So I didn't know what to do because <laughs> I started... Yeah. <laughs> Page. You're probably wondering how I got here. Paige, your face was so perfect. <laughs> so, oh, it's like angels in the outfield. Yeah. And you know they're fucking so, lost immediately. So I didn't know what to do. You on the reading, Fuck I'm you. Reading, I'm, reading all, I'm reading all these blogs, and they're saying like, oh yeah, like once it sprouts, like that's the hardest time to care for it. Jesus. But no one is saying what to do because you keep it in like a Ziploc bag, basically. Oh. Not a single blog said to take it out of the Ziploc bag. So I was okay. like, I guess just leave it in there. Well, sure enough, it molded and died. So I oh, guess I'll, man. long long story long, <laughs> I think that's a skill that I would love to be able to master is to actually okay. grow bonsai. Stick with it. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm, I'm planning yeah. on sticking with it. It's just like You'll get it's it. disappointment after disappointment. How satisfying is that going to be when you get it to work? Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to be super sad. If, if it ever works, you're going to forget about it. Because you're just going to be like, fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> but if it works, you're going to be like, oh, my God. I've been, I've been trying to do <laughs> yes. this for years. And it's happening. That's yeah. going to be incredibly sad. We are the champions by Queen just comes on. Yeah. Stereo just pops yeah. on. Tiny little sprout. <laughs> <laughs> What's, uh, what about you, Charles? Uh, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and give you the boring answer. Uh, I'm, I'm an autodidact. I, if I want to learn something, I learn it. I'm also of the opinion that we're not meant to learn everything that we want to have knowledge of. Uh, Mayor James Keenan was on a podcast a couple of years ago, and he said, uh, there are no more, no more masters, and it's because people think that they're instantly experts in everything because mm-hmm. they you know, read something on the Internet or, or studied something for a couple of days. 
Whereas past generations, you'd like really have to hone a craft for you to, for, to have any expertise in it whatsoever, to have any, any sort of confidence that you knew what you were doing. And I still have reverence for the fact that just because I, I studied something for a few days, weeks, months, even years, I don't necessarily know everything. It, it includes my own vocations, uh, the things that I do for a living. I went to a talk a few years ago, well, a long time ago now, probably eight years ago. I think it was the head brewer of Quack who said, you learn and you learn and you learn, then you die. And I was like, that is the smartest thing I think mm-hmm. I've ever heard because it's infinitely true. And the less you think you know, the more you will learn. So for me, it's going to be the boring answer that I'm already bilingual. I speak Arabic and English. And I studied Spanish in high school. I've been to Spanish-speaking countries in both hemispheres. Uh, and and I, I would love to speak Spanish better than I do. I think that at times I get bursts of... Uh, of energy and, and drive and motivation to learn more Spanish. And then I like bust out my apps mm-hmm. and I, I learn a lot in a short period of time. And I like bust a couple sentences out to Marnie and feel really good about myself, mm-hmm. but I want to maintain more consistency. This is almost a saying this and committing it to record is almost like making a promise to myself yeah. because I, I feel like I should know more languages than I do. I think I'm pretty good at it. Marnie is like incredibly adept. She knows more Arabic than I know, than I know Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to learn Spanish my whole life, just not super committed. Mm-hmm. But she'll say t- sentences to me in Arabic, and I won't even notice. I'll just respond. Wow! And I'm like, oh yeah, it's because she's a language teacher. Like, she's just yeah. incredibly adept at that. So I also, because she's a Spanish teacher, I, I partly want to do it for her, like to impress her. I don't want her to be the de facto fucking translator yeah. when we travel in Spanish speaking right. countries while I smile and nod like a kid in Kmart, you know, like, <laughs> okay. I, I would like to also participate. And uh, I know we're going to be traveling to a lot of Spanish speaking countries because mm-hmm. she sort of made a promise to herself. When we first met, she said, well, now that I'm a, I'm a Spanish teacher, I would like to travel to a Spanish speaking country every summer. Yeah. She hasn't, she hasn't done it or hasn't yeah. been able to do it. But we went to Spain for our honeymoon. We were there for like three weeks. And it just made me, like I got to see the joy in her eyes, like speaking Spanish to everybody. And, and this summer, I'm, I'm hyper motivated to go somewhere. And I think we were talking about it literally right before I left the house. I think we're going to go to Mexico City and oh, hopefully Oaxaca. I want to go to Mexico City. Because cool. I want to drink all That's that where we want to go in Mexico as well. Oh, let's go. Mm-hmm. We're going in August. You that's, coming with us? That, that's a funny thing too because when we, you know, Growing up in Canada, uh, a bilingual country, so you grow up mm. speaking, well, learning French. French, and, sure. And I was lucky. Winnipeg is is pretty bilingual, so like I, you know, I I grew up with French. Um, but when we were traveling in France, actually, it was it was neat because I had been living in Montreal, and Montreal's French is very very different. You know, it's like it's like when people say like Spanish in Mexico versus Spanish in Spain. It's very mm-hmm. very different. Like mm. it's the same language but it's not the same language and and Quebec is just like that I mean they speak a totally different variation to the point that like my Quebecois friends when they they can pick European yeah. French out in a mm-hmm. crowd like they know well you never hear that you never hear that about French yeah like, yeah mm-hmm. you hear that about you know Arabic there are an incredible number of dialects 12 million words yeah. you hear it in Spanish too 
you know, Marnie said, hey, if I come with you to Chile, which I've been to, she's like, I don't know if I would be able to come. I'm like, yeah. bullshit. Yeah. It's like some, they have a lot of words that are different. Not, mm-hmm. Well, not a lot, but di- words yeah. that are different. You never hear that about French, the though. The diction you never hear is that very French different. Is, and, it's, and it's interesting, too, because, like, I have native French speakers who are friends in Manitoba, and when they travel to Quebec, even the folks <clears> in Quebec, like, will pick them out and be like oh you're That's from the prairie prairies. french huh. yeah they call it like prairie french okay <laughs> it's, it's very interesting so and it's nuanced like that but it's funny because when we when we were in uh france i have my own sort of broken like you know kitchen french that mm-hmm. I, that i can speak <laughs> and get along and we can go to bars and i can order the stuff totally fine and like you know maybe even have a half a conversation Paige speaks french and but but Paige's French is like really like textbook tight. French textbook really good. Sure. So when we it was funny we we had an experience where we went to to uh, la conciergerie la conciergerie and and Paige was speaking in French and she produced her American passport because they want to see your passport when you enter and the woman was blown away like she said, hey, too American and like Paige was just like yeah that's like, the dream right it's there it's just like I but the thing is like I spoke it just as learning it as an American on in writing, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I went to a school that had a, that a French immersion program was feeding into that high school. And so the people who grew up speaking it versus the people who grew up writing it and learning it by the book had such a, such different skills that I Mm -hmm. wish like Charles, when you were talking about learning Spanish little by little and trying to like keep that knowledge and keep it moving it's really hard i mean if you don't Mm. use it it's kind of it's a little bit depressing for me to like look back at the Mm -hmm. textbooks like i took a french business class in college and it's like i could never i probably will never speak it at that level again but i can hear i can understand a lot of it and i can read you know news articles in french but to speak it i'm never going to be as good as the kids who learned it as Mm. immersion sure i'll be able to write it really well Mm. and come off at in a museum setting as being like okay she knows what she's doing but i would never like have that spontaneity you know, I probably never will. Unless you spent a significant amount of time in, you know, French Canada or right. in France right. where you're yeah. like using it persistently. Like yeah. when I was in Chile and my remedial Spanish that I learned in high school that I was fucking high in school and mm-hmm. not really paying attention, uh, that like was reawoken. I understood so much after sure. I was there for two weeks and I, by the end of it, I er- I understood so much of what people were saying, like just the fractals. Mm-hmm. I could like pull out what was being spoken about. Yeah, Like the and synapses then, are like firing. Yeah. Like, I was I like, it. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then also just being immersed for two fucking weeks. Yes. And then I could, I could get by like, I'm going to go to the cafe by myself right. and like order coffee and yeah. just be able to get by making orders and just the, the small minutia, mm-hmm. just the little, the little comments and niceties, it goes to show that, man, yeah. if you, even with my Arabic, I'm fluent in Arabic. I learned Arabic and English simultaneously when I was a kid. Yeah. When I go to Lebanon, every time I go to Lebanon, because I go on an average every 18 months, when I go, my, my shit's a little rusty. Mm-hmm. It's a little rusty. But, but two once, weeks later, I'm just, I'm cracking jokes. Right. I'm, yeah. You know, I can do a stand-up <laughs> act. I'm like, <laughs> I got the accent and stuff because, you know, I was, I was born and raised to speak Arabic, the inverse of someone telling you at a door that like you're, oh wow, that your French is great, yeah. was I, one time JP and I were, um, oh we were with our wives actually at uh, this like beachside resort and we went to like order towels <laughs> and the lady accused him of not being Lebanese because of his Arabic and that's just like, mm. that hurts, like oh, yeah. really nothing worse than but that. We, you know we've been there for two days 
So maybe after a couple of weeks, you wouldn't have accused him of that. Right. But for someone to actually just say it to you, like, yeah. you're not from around here, are you? Right. But in Lebanon, you know, like, well, it like, like, depends on what city you're in, too. Like, sometimes <laughs> yeah. if they're more exposed to, like, tourists or English, like, they'll be more sure. quick to slip yep. into English. Like, in Paris, like, mm-hmm. people will start speaking English to you, and that's, like, the ultimate insult. Exactly. Like, Shit, you know? Exactly. But, like, when you're in Normandy <laughs> and, like, Marseille, and you're giving it your all, like, yeah. most of the time, they will tough it out with you. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you're forgetting mm-hmm. a noun, they'll be mm-hmm. like, they will not go into English. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I had a I had a wild one in in Montreal, and I'd I'd been living there for a couple of years at this point, and I took a trip down to uh, it was either New York City or Boston, and so I had a bunch of American cash with me, which you know American cash it's all green. Um, and, <laughs> we have ugly but, money, dude. That's just yeah, fucking. But real. Canadian yeah. cash, it's all, it's all yeah, multicolored, and so so I went to to my favorite bakery right down the street from from where I live. This this place called Memi Clafouti. Uh, absolutely love this spot. Best pastry in Montreal. Um, I love a clafouti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I went in and I ordered I, I ordered my shit. Like, you know, je prends un, un croissant avec un, uh, un café noir, whatever. And guy's like, guy looks at me and he's just like, tells me the price, like, you know, like cinq a cinq ans, whatever. I'm just like, all right. And like, open up my wallet and he saw all the green money in there. Fucking greenbacks. And I start flipping through, and he leans, he leans over the counter to me, and he goes, it's the blue bill. <laughs> blue bill. To it's, the a five, Canadian, it's a $5 which is the bill in Canada. And I was just like, I was like, it's... and I just like stopped. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, oh, that's I, oh, I live here. Like, Sir. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, it's like you, you get caught Merci. in that. It's like, yeah, it's like you get caught in that, and they're just like, they're like, ah, American, get out right. of here. It's just like. Hey man, like now you know how we feel. Right? Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I come here like every day and get a coffee and a croissant. Asshole. Like, just knock me down, <clears throat> Jacques. It's me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. C'est moi. C'est moi. <laughs> Norwegian. Norwegian is so uh, dialectical that literally, like the the form of Norwegian that I learned, it's actually called book speak. Like oh. that's book they speak. that's literally what it's called. So when I got to the first time, I, I've thankfully been back since. But the first time that I got to go to the village where my last name came from, where mm-hmm. my family emigrated from, I had to use a translator who spoke Valley Norwegian, where my people live, mm-hmm. and then through to my book speak. Uh, and you just stick out like a sore thumb because mm-hmm. they never let go of a lot of the old Norse words. Yes. So it's not even that like I can't understand how they're putting it together. It's an it's a completely separate basis for the, how the words are formed yeah. and watching them go in and out of that. Like it's closer to like Icelandic than anything else. Sure. Um, yeah. And they just merge the two because it took so long for technology and, and education to kind of make its way across the country as a standard thing. Mm-hmm. So it's really tough. Mm-hmm. And my, my answer is kind of the same as yours. I really am obsessed with how, how words are formed and how people communicate with each other. And I've always said that when I have enough time, I just want to start taking language classes on the yeah. side and start learning a little bit of a lot of different languages. And Italian and Japanese have always been on the top mm. of that. Cool. I think that Italian is one of the most beautiful languages to listen to. And the little bit that I do know, I love when I actually get to use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Japanese, I feel like I, I also really love it. But um, 
I, I'm desperate to try and understand if you get rid of like our normal alphabet yes. to learn how the characters are that formed and all that is put together. That is a scary premise, isn't yeah. it? But it's also like so fucking fascinating. Yeah. And, and people just take the fa- that like that for granted that we have this phonetical alphabet yeah. and that you can translate Japanese characters into you know our alphabet. But actually, looking at the formation of those characters and how they build together is mm-hmm. fascinating to me. I have absolutely nothing stopping me except myself, and I just don't fucking do it. Uh, and like you said, it's also so tough when you invest that much work, it's immediately depreciating yes. unless you have a place that you can Truly. use it. So it's also just brutal knowing that like, I could put in plenty of class time and probably get decent, and then what would I do with that? Yeah. You know, yeah. Even if you go travel, you could you only... You have to be- like, watch Japanese movies or yeah. read Japanese right. newspapers. That's yeah. what I try to do. I like read French newspapers from time to That's, time. But- with the different characters, it's... it's- Obviously, oh, more yeah. of a challenge. Yeah, I, in my twenties, you know when well. I had a pirated copy of Rosetta Stone, please don't sue me. Uh, <laughs> I I tried to, the first thing I wanted to learn was Japanese, but because they teach you with the, the 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 kanji characters, you need to also at the same time learn to read and write. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to learn to speak, mm-hmm. and so it was it was uh, insurmountable for me. And at the time, I, I delved into French because my mom tried to teach me French French when I was a child, but I had already learned. Arabic and English, and I guess I'd had enough, and I wanted to watch Ninja Turtles, so yeah. I never learned French. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I, I always wanted to learn Japanese. I might never. I think, like, for me, I want to be realistic. Spanish has a practical use in my life mm-hmm. because yes. of Marnie, and so I want to start there. And then flip a coin, French or, or Japanese probably would be next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's the same thing with Arabic. I'm glad I learned it when I was uh, in my, you know, mm-hmm. when I was being raised Raised, up because I I can't read or write it but I speak it fluently Mm -hmm. and you know you show me a page of Arabic characters I'm going to be like I can I can write my name I want to write my name (laughs) yeah my my grandparents I remember asking I remember uh, asking my grandparents Bill and Effie one time like if they would teach me Ukrainian I thought that was Mm. super fascinating because they always spoke in Ukrainian to one another and my grandma was just like well we don't really speak Ukrainian and I was like what do you mean and she's like the Ukrainian that we speak is is old enough that like if you went to Kiev oh. and tried to speak it, they wouldn't understand you. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was more or less the same way. He's like, I can't write. I can't read Ukrainian. We grew up on farms. We okay. learn the language that our parents right. spoken language. It's yeah. just right. spoken. Yep. And, and that's really and it's also kind of a sad thing because like now they have passed. And I, you know, kind of regret that being like, well, I, it would have been nice to at least learn a few things mm-hmm. because now like that language line, mm-hmm. it's, it's gone. Well, the whole purpose of Rosetta Stone, the, the program itself is not to sell CDs to people for people to learn languages. It was to preserve yep. languages that yeah. are bordering on being lost. So that dialect, whatever it is, right. however small, if you could find a way to identify what it is, they could probably uh, uh, document bring it. you some yeah. documentation mm-hmm. regarding that dialect but it's it, with Arabic there are so many dialects yeah. so right. many dialects like the, when I go to the Becca Valley to drink wine when I, I'm going to Kassara to drink wine and all the beautiful wineries in that region the Arabic there is completely different because right. that is the eastern part of uh, Lebanon that borders Syria mm-hmm. and the Arabic that they speak there is vastly different from the Arabic that I understand from the coastal mm-hmm. region that my family is from. So I can get by and we understand one another Egypt in the airport in Egypt. I understood just enough to understand why I was being delayed and it was during SARS and everyone's wearing masks and screaming at mm-hmm. each other. Like, 
So it's, it's weird because depending where you are, you understand almost everything or almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's like, we've touched on a couple important points of like the passage of time and the modernization of language, but also the relationship to culture mm-hmm. and then literacy. Like yeah. we're assuming that just because someone knows the language that they're like literate in that language. And there are some language that are languages that are just spoken. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, Ben, to your point, like I had that experience in when I was doing work in Guatemala is like, yeah, I may speak a little bit of Spanish, but the people around me don't. They all speak mm-hmm. Mayan. You know, they speak a Maya, small Mayan yeah. dialect that's just yeah. one small region. And so we had to have an interpreter from English to Spanish and from Spanish to Zutuhil. And there's not, I mean, I think there are written elements of Zutuhil, but mostly it's a spoken sure. language. Absolutely. And you're not, you would have no other reason to know of it or learn of it unless you're immersed in it. Yeah. And it's the same as true, like with your grandparents, like, yeah, we hear them speaking Ukrainian, but it's almost evolved into their own, mm-hmm. like they have their own language their own between the of two speaking. of them, yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, same thing, like, you know, like with, with Quebecois, which I think, I believe Quebecois, like might even classify as its own dialect. Oh, for sure it does. You know, yeah. it's like, if you were to write out a conversation that you have with a friend, I mean, I don't even know if you technically would be able to. Even now, like I'll read like comments on Facebook, like when you're on Facebook, Mm -hmm. when I read, like when I read like friends who are commenting on things on Facebook and like, I know what they're saying, but I'm also like the amount of like apostrophes that are in there and English words or English words or half words or like the beginning Mm. of a word that ends with another one. Like it's just, it's so wild and Mm -hmm. it's like, but that's part of language. Like it's, it's going to be different everywhere you go. It's, and you know, to put English on that sense is like. You know, we we go down to Texas, and and they're they, they're speaking English for sure. But because of that accent, and because of pacing, and because like it can, it just kind of hits a little bit different. Sometimes you, know? you have to ask someone to repeat themselves, mm-hmm. yeah. even yeah. though they're speaking and, the language that and, you understand best. Right. Like, excuse so me? why why would we expect anything else of another language? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and but that you know that's a lot of that I think is that sort of like. <laughs> Eurocentric white exceptionalism, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you no, know, like we all speak English here, and it's like, okay, yes, but we have friends from Boston, mm-hmm. and this isn't a rip on Boston, but it's like we have friends from Boston where we where we have to actively be like, I, sorry, can you repeat yourself? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes there is that that thick accent. Yeah, you go over Southie, and what yeah. the fuck? What did you just say? And right. I'm not questioning. I'm just literally asking you, what did yeah. you just say? Right. And then they're like, come same, get this work because I think you're threatening them. Come on, pal. We all got the Midwest tropes. You know, like Minnesota. Yeah. Like right. it's, it sounds funny. Oh, she's a beaut. Pittsburgh where they say yins. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You, and you, and you, red up. You guys. Yep. Yins. Yins coming. Guys. My, uh, my mom's best like, friend. Is that my mom's best yes. friend, her husband, taught Yinzers? English in uh, taught English in a, a town in the Appalachian Mountains called Dirty Ankle. Oh my god! And like oh. some of his stories about like phrases and and terms that he learned, it was just like, wait, where Where's, where are wait, you? Dirty right. ankle, dirty ankle, and where now? In the Appalachian Mountains. I'm too brown for that town. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, and suddenly all the Dolly Parton songs <laughs> make sense. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go. Well, fucking right. red up, Yins guys. All right, Yins. <laughs> To linguistics. Charles, you want to take her home? Do I? Question number six. You guys are travelers. I know you've already been doing some limited traveling uh, the last several months, but with things opening up more, 
are you to fantasizing about any major trips that uh, you haven't taken, whether that be like international or whether that be a trip that you've been preserving to take when things are more open because of the circumstances uh, surrounding them, like perhaps like New York City would probably be better experienced when you can travel more freely. I think we, you know, there, there's, <laughs> here's a question and then here's me just completely going <laughs> right off book as fast as I possibly can. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing um, it big tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we traveled during COVID. We did, we did a couple of trips. Um, okay. We did a couple of flights. They were mostly fine, honestly. We were, because, like, I, I work in a bar. I can wear a mask for eight hours. I can wear a mask for 14 hours. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I, it doesn't bug me. Other folks definitely bug me. Um, there was Freedom! A, <laughs> there was this one, this one real, real American hero. Uh, we went to Nashville in March, and, and on our flight home, flight there was totally chill. And on the flight home, there was this real patriot that's just like America. And he did not want to wear a mask and his way around that because the airline said, if you are eating or drinking, you don't have to wear a mask. So he mainlined, he, he made a funnel out of his hand and he mainlined corn nuts into his face for a two and a half hour flight. Yep. It was psychotic. It was insane. Sounds like a cartoon. I know. And he just, he sat there for the whole flight with his head tilted back and this funnel of corn nuts just into his face all because he did not want to wear a mask. I'm like, sir, that's like, you're putting a lot of pressure Come on yourself. Dude. But what was yeah. really funny is the flight attendant on our previous flight had said, it does not count if you open a bag of pretzels and eat one every 25 seconds right, or whatever, right. you know? So it's like, okay. So, so yeah, we've done some traveling. We've done a bit of flying, but we're, um, we're big fans of what we've sort of coined microtourism. It's this thing that we love doing is like, you know, just last weekend we went to Menominee, Wisconsin. Menominee is a cool town. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's small. There's antique stores. There's a bunch of great breweries, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, you know, you can drive there in a day and you can drive home. You don't necessarily need to stay overnight. And you can, or or we're going to go to La Crosse in a couple, or Eau Claire in Mm -hmm. a couple weeks, too. And we're going to stay a night there at the Oxbow, right? Yep. The Oxbow Oh, that hotel's great. It's great. It's fantastic. And it's like, so so we're big fans of this. Like, you can drive to a place. You don't necessarily need to get on a flight yep. and, and go, you know, sure. fly for eight hours just right. to be like, I got a vacation. We're the type of folk where we're like, yeah, a vacation can mean just like, you know, yeah, like going to Cedar Rapids or mm-hmm. Sioux Falls. Like, go there for a couple of days. Just hang out in a different place. Mm-hmm. Sure. Experience it. Go for hikes. Go for walks. You can go to Stillwater. Oh yeah, as a as a Minneapolis, you can go to Saint Paul and just spend a whole day in Saint Paul instead of just going to have a meal there. It's very different. Yeah, and so I think for us, like you know, we're not like itching to travel, but also we've been we've been pretty fluid during COVID. Like Paige has obviously been working from home. I haven't had the ability to do that, so we've had to sort of navigate that world of like, okay, well, like. You know, for me, I'm like, well, I got to go to work in the morning and I'm going to come home in the afternoon and whatever. But so, so we've had a little more of that, like, I'd say, yeah, flexibility or fluidity with it. Um, but because of that, like, we're, we're very comfy with masks. We're very comfy with social distancing. We're and very when comfy. we have traveled, we've like brought our bikes a few times. Yep. We've done a lot of walk, like we've done outside only yeah. stuff like we, Kansas City, St. Louis. I don't think we set foot in a building besides our Airbnb. Same thing, yeah. We went to Milwaukee. We brought our bikes. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, I talked to you about this. Yeah, and right. we, like, I think the only time we went inside a building was the hotel we stayed at. That was literally mm-hmm. it. Otherwise, I mean, it's summertime. Stay outside. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their patios open. But bear in mind, 
the context of the question would be if things were like literally so say in August you don't have to even wear a mask yeah. anymore we yeah. you know let's let's say herd immunity or we also have enough data at that stage to say mm-hmm. that these vaccines are so effective mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter if someone with covid who has refused to get vaccinated in August for whatever fucking reason <laughs> coughs near you that it would have almost no effect on right. you, or that the, the probability is so low. So what would be the place that you would want to travel to? And, and that also means that the places that will open their borders up to us, because the sure. EU announced last week from, from now, if you're listening to the podcast in current times, mm-hmm. that they're going to be opening up uh, borders, I think on a country-by-country basis. I've been reading the bylines mm-hmm. to understand what countries are available to us yes. if Marnie and I want to travel somewhere. Like, Italy still will want you to quarantine even if you have vaccination papers. Yeah. Some other countries may not. But, like, all things equal, if in, let's say, in a couple months you could go anywhere you want, where, where would you be itching to go? Uh, it could be in the U.S. I have yeah, a top I mean, three travel list that I've had for a while. That has oh, not so yeah. you have a, you I have would have checked off. Yeah. For me, like, right out, right out the gate, it would be Canada, honestly. I miss yeah. my sure. family. Of course. Yeah, you, haven't, yeah. you haven't been yeah. able How to go at all. Like, there's the been last, no chance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. The last, time that we were, the last time we were up in Canada was actually for New Year's of 2020. Wow. Yeah. And it was, it was a doozy. I bet um, you're happy you went. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, and then it's like we came back, and then when, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like this thing started sort of bubbling a little mm-hmm. bit, and mm-hmm. folks were sort of like, oh, who knows how this is going to play out. And then it was just like March, full stop. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. And, you know, I mean, I talked to my mom on Mother's Day, and she's like, I, you know, I miss you. And I'm like, I miss you too. But things are getting worse like, in Manitoba, and things in Manitoba yeah. are getting worse. They're yeah. experiencing, a, like, spikes like they've never seen. Oh. Their hospitals are overwhelmed. Fuck. So getting up there is going to be really difficult, and it's also hard because my, you know, my, my dad's a Vikings fan. He's a Vikings season ticket holder. Attaboy. And, and he's Skull. Like, and he's like, I, they come to Minneapolis regularly. Like yes. this is a regular, and now that I live here, this is a regular spot, like a weekend getaway for them. Yeah. And they're like, you know, we miss you. We miss Minneapolis. We miss going to Vikings games sure. and all that. And it's like. Well, I miss you guys too. Like, I want to go up to Winnipeg. I want to see my family, see my friends. So, Winnipeg would probably be top on my list right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I always think of it as like I have kind of a domestic travel list, if you want to think about it that way. And then we have like our couple destinations that we've talked about. But um, 2020 was going to be my year to go to Copenhagen for the first time. Such um, a because I'm city. Danish, um, and I really have wanted to go to like Copenhagen Beer Week and eat the food and do the stuff. Um, that's been up there for a while for me, and I still would like to go. But in the U.S., um, I have a couple of places that I would like to get to in the next couple of years. My top is Hudson Valley, New York. I just mm. like the kind of like upstate New York vibe of it. I like kind of the architecture and all the like um, artistry that's happening in that area. Um, and there's also some good distilleries and breweries to check out. And then my other two that are number two and three are Bend, Oregon. I've always wanted to go forever. And um, Charleston, South Carolina. Mm. Just because we, we have really enjoyed kind of the the southern places we've traveled to because it's so different from the Midwest. And we have never, I've never been to like what I would call the deep south or like Mississippi, Alabama um, but the times that we've kind of broached it, like when I've been to Austin or um, Asheville, Nashville, I just really like the culture. And I would love to experience more of that and understand more about 
history, like both the difficult and the the positive. But Charleston has such a food story um, that that's probably number three on my list. Charleston was a city I didn't expect to fall in love with and absolutely did because of the food. Yeah. Because you not only have, you have the seafood culture. Right, right. You also have the traditional Southern cuisine. Yep. And then you have the push in from Gullah cuisine, mm-hmm. which is such a specific and unique regional yes. cuisine. And that convergence of all of those flavors it just creates – it's the only thing that I can compare it to, and I'm not saying this about the rest of the lifestyle, but the only thing I can compare it to is New Orleans. Yeah. Where you almost end up with this, like, spectacularly unique cuisine right. that's just born out of all of these different influences going in the same pot. And yet it's, like, its total own thing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember learning about the Gullah Geechee people from Padma Lakshmi's show that was on last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never heard of that population before and the way that they grew their own food. And that stuff just fascinates me. I just love seeing the way cultures not only intersect, but then kind of redefine themselves. Like Charleston has really kind of recreated itself as the culinary destination. And yet it's born out of really traditional kind of tried and true methods. So yeah, those are, those are the places I'd like to go. Um, I've always wanted to see like, Mexico in a true sense like not I'm just not like a tourist destination kind of person like I I really bristle at the idea of like the all-inclusive resorts and like the like I I mean I like a good beach as much as anyone but I would much rather go to like Oaxaca Mm -hmm. um, and see Mexico City and I would I would like to do that in the next few years fuck yeah yeah, man that's one of those don't yuck my yum situations where like my my brother and his wife like to go to all-inclusive resorts. Yeah. To me, it does not compute. Like, I want to yeah. experience culture if I go somewhere. Right. For them, it means <clears throat> escaping Minnesota weather to vacation. Oh, yeah. In, like, a totally different climate. And that's super valid. But, but also, like, being locked away from civilization because they don't want the noise. Right. Yeah. But for me, like, personally, that I, I, I have a different frequency I want to immerse myself in like the noise yeah. and the flavors and the smells and yeah, like discomfort you know, on a street vacation does not bother me. Like seeing <laughs> sure. like, yeah, yeah, like when we went to sure. the jazz museum in Kansas City, like seeing like the difficulty of like what how tourism and racism intersect. Like mm. that yeah. inspires me. But I totally understand that there's also a place for like just relaxing, yeah. and not thinking sure. about stuff. Yeah. And we always get accused of, like, trying to do too much on yeah, vacation. My, or, my, like, was that really a vacation? I'm like, well, yeah, it was for me. Yeah, because I get to my, see different shit and my brain's yes, very happy. One of, exactly. one, of my, one of my best friends in Montreal, he always rips on me. Because, like, you know, we, we travel a lot. Like, and he's always, like, you know, he'll be like, what are, you, what are you doing in Kansas City? And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, have you been to Kansas City? And it's like, <laughs> the answer is always no. And it's like, well... Like, it sounds like you guys are doing a lot. And it's like, yeah, we are doing a lot, actually. We're walking around. We went to, yeah, we went to the Jazz Museum. We checked out all these breweries. We went to this, like, weird German fine dining restaurant. Like, yeah. there's stuff to do. And it, but it is. Like, it, there's de- definitely a different strokes thing to it, you know, or, like, that friend. It's just like, I don't know, man. Like, if I were in a city like that, like, I would just find my local bar and, like, right. hang out there and sure, also sure. just chill at the hotel. So don't, don't do it. I'll do it. Yeah. 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 I'm like, well, it's more for us to go explore and hang out and see cool things. But yeah, that's like refreshing to me is like the 
seeing a different surrounding, but also like understanding more about a place and a people. And I like that. And getting to know people too. I mean, there's been a lot of like odd cities we've traveled to where, you know, it's a classic thing, like sit down at the bar, talk to the bartender. Like during COVID, that's a little bit difficult because you can't sit at bars as much, but talk to the Mm -hmm. people and people are going to give you these like weird recommendations for places (laughs) where you're like, that never came up on Google. Like, it wouldn't, because it wouldn't, course. right? Right. Yeah. You're like, let's go. That's where I go Which after work. A great when my conversation over, I go here. is like, yeah. tour, like where tourists get funneled, like how mm-hmm. yeah. funding and like the perception of a place can really shape like what what a someone on vacation would want to do. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really fascinating when you look at like the Country Music Hall of Fame versus the Jazz Museum. Like mm-hmm. the Jazz Museum is in a really difficult neighborhood. It's sincerely underfunded. And a lot of people who go there are only going there because it's attached to the Negro Baseball Museum. Mm-hmm. But like when you think about the Country Music Hall of Fame, that itself is a destination. Downtown people go there. It's right downtown. It's massive. And it's, it's really, you kind of have to stop yourself and think about like, why am I going where I'm going? Where, why am I spending money where I'm spending money? And then mm-hmm. you kind of think about like, well, how does that happen in Minneapolis? Like where are people spending their time? Because mm-hmm. they're told to spend their time there. The, the hoodie that I was wearing when you guys came in, uh, two years ago today, right now, I was standing inside CERN in Switzerland looking at the mm-hmm. pinnacle of human scientific achievement. And uh, it's a two and a half hour drive from where we were. We were staying in, in Burgundy for my 40th. And... Uh, it's on the drive. I tend to do this. I, when I'm in the passenger seat, I'll just try and Google weird shit and like come up with something fun for myself. And I was thinking like, okay, well, if this is the pinnacle of scientific achievement, then there must be a bunch of humans on earth that just fucking hate that place. Right. So I looked up the, the Goog- negative reviews. I looked up the negative reviews for CERN and it was absolutely totally amazing because on one hand, you have a bunch of religious zealots that are saying that... Where are that, the snacks? Yeah, we're trying to open up the portal to hell. And then the rest of them were like, my kid was so bored. There weren't any toys. There weren't any snacks. The, the tour <laughs> guide... turnips. It was all turnips. The tour oh guide gosh. talked over us the entire time. Yeah. They don't have tour guides. Later, they didn't it's, have any snacks for you. It's whatever yeah. quantum physicist decides to donate their time to take people that are interested oh in science gosh. around. And I was so mad because to a fucking T, every single one of the people that went with that bullshit about like my kids didn't have chicky nuggies. It was either UK or fucking USA. Yeah. yeah. Every time yeah. I was like, God damn well, it. And, and Just one, once. Damn it. If you want to, if you want to have a fun time, we learned this. I think it was in Nashville was a in few Nashville. years ago. If you want to have a fun time, look up negative reviews for farmers markets. This is amazing. It's incredible. This like people will review. They'll say the craziest shit about a farmer's market. And it's like, it's a farmer's market. I'm so excited. These people are growing things and selling them to you. There was one where there was was dirt on my bok choy. No, they said, yeah, (laughs) all the vegetables were dirty. There was nowhere for my kids to hang out. All turnips. Yeah, the one in Nashville. If you want turnips, that's all they have. That's it's all, all turnips. All Hashtag all turnips. I'm just like, I love it. Shit. Kids yeah, at like work. These turnips. Things, like, like, that's what? my DJ name. Yeah. <laughs> all tur- those ones like the music was too loud. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're negative. You, Spelled like the vegetable. You the took, music you took was the time too loud. out of your day to negatively <sighs> review a farmer's market. Wow. God, what okay. a fucking yeah, awful. They got the rest of their day because it closed at 11. Yeah, they got like, well, I'm 
the flip side of like you can kind of try to have fun anywhere, which is like yeah. totally what we like. You can have a miserable time. Anywhere yes, too. you can. <laughs> sure, you can. Sure. Yeah. Charles, can I say mine out loud just because then I can take a deep breath and accept that it's not happening? Yeah, it's interesting because when I wrote my question, it almost coincided with a post that Quan made on social media, which made me realize. And also, you tagged me in something a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I was like, "Well, I know what your answer is going to be." I was like, "Yep." <laughs> uh, uh, frequent guest of the podcast and f- podcast friend uh, Jenny Quam also happens to be my wife. Uh, I like her. It is. It is. Uh, it is. It's ten years for us being together in a few days, and. Uh, all we wanted Woo! to do was to get to go back to Norway, yeah. uh, where my heart is so happy because she is found at home as well. And we were going to travel to uh, all the way up above the Arctic Circle to Lofoten wow. um, to really see it. And, uh, and we hung on as long as we could that it was going to happen. And it's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know there's a lot of people out there listening that, f- that had the same shit happen. Um, we also had a trip last July to Oaxaca for the Mezcal Festival, mm-hmm. and we had to we had to forego that. Uh, and as much as I want that, and it will happen, I will go to the Mezcal Festival. I uh, something about this last like fourteen fifteen months has just been calling me home, mm-hmm. and I really I really just wanted to fucking go and celebrate ten years with her while we were in like our happy place mm-hmm. and uh and it's a great it's an incredibly privileged thing to be able to say that that i'm sad that i didn't get to travel in a tin can halfway around the world to celebrate an arbitrary anniversary but at the same time when when you really love somebody it's kind of fun to make something a party and yeah. remember how special like that kind and of shit really is really look forward to it yeah so we're gonna try and do the same thing at this time next year uh, I was an idiot. I always wanted to like their Independence Day is is the seventeenth of May, it's the May, and I really wanted her to see it because the fucking city just explodes for it. And I thought the last time we went to Norway, I thought we were going to do it, and I didn't do the math right in my head because you lose a day traveling. <laughs> so we literally got off the plane, and it was just. All of the confetti was just on the fucking asphalt, <laughs> and everybody's pulling down the banners like, and shit. Yeah, we yeah. we got to the we got to the bar at two o five a.m. and we're like, yeah. wait, what do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> and that was that was hundred percent on me because as much as I try and pretend that I I like to feel like the smartest kid in the room, I'm a fucking idiot. Oh man, we've all and had I, those like yeah. confetti's already on the ground yeah. experiences. It was having it having it visually Excuse actually happen. Yep, yeah. literally there was it was it was an entire crew of guys in their jumpsuits sure just sweeping everything up and it was just hilarious to me but uh but yeah so fuck it i don't know we'll make 11 big and we'll just decide that that's the new thing you know on the topic of street sweepers my family has always wanted to go to the macy's thanksgiving day parade oh dude like as silly as that sounds be fun like macy's whatever i don't give a shit about macy's but like we always watched it growing up, like yep, when it was right. Marshall Field. Yep. It was like you know, like it was all a the, big deal to yeah, watch. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like you're like okay, you know, and like as our as our Daytons evolved into our Macy's, it's kind of like you have that little bit of like an experience of like okay, you know, like we understand the brand, and like for sure. But but still, we watched the parade like every Thanksgiving growing up, and we still do. Like this year was rough. Like their virtual <laughs> parade, we had to turn it off Brutal. because it was not our ears weren't allowing it to go yep. on but every year until this year we we snoopy uh, was hammered overweight <laughs> crying <laughs> they, it. they were doing it was really yeah. bad you it guys bad. did you watch trying, the virtual parade no. at all they were trying to do like they were trying to they were trying to do it and and i commend them for trying but 
it's just it didn't work. Mm-hmm. It didn't okay. work. They had like these like page, holograms or something. Was well, page, yes. page likes yeah. There was yeah. Holog- Paige loves to see the marching bands because she has an ex, you know experience yeah. in marching yeah. bands. Yeah, okay. And and that's something that I actually really have fun with. Like, you know, it, we'll be making and then food, you're, making you're like, food. Who's lip syncing? You know, but like, Paige will be like, she'll be like, oh, this is whatever, whatever. They're super good. Like, stop what you're doing and watch them because they're so tight. And I'll be like, all right, cool. And like, watch these. And then like, you get to see like the know, musical snippets of like, this is on Broadway right now. Like, you feel like you're, you know, you yeah, get that little that taste was of like, New York. It was so, it, like, it, it was tech problems. I mean, yeah. which is crazy because it's like it's NBC. I think. Yes. It's like, guys, come on. Like, you, you have this dialed in. Plus, you have the budget to do this. And they were like announcing things at the wrong times people's microphones were off like it was just it was so silly like we couldn't even begin to enjoy it it was just like <laughs> they, could even, right. they could barely get themselves to do it basically yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. Like, why even why even do it why not just do like a clip of like a zoom it, you know? performance like, and like everybody was off time in the performance and we're like why are we watching this? but one day like, i would like to go to the real yeah. actual Fuck yeah. that'd okay. be cool yeah. that's fair charles what's what, what's yours We've we've asked similar questions yep. previously. Yep. Like I asked a question: if you could transport yourself mm. anywhere right now, mm. when you know we still were like really low in vaccinations or had no vaccinations, my answer is Lebanon because of my mm-hmm. family. You know, I haven't seen them in so long, and I've lost family members mm-hmm. recently or in the last year. Uh, actually, your la- your answer brought to mind an interesting point. I would transport myself if if all things are equal. Granted, this won't happen for almost exactly a year from now. I would just be in this very town during Art of World when it's Ooh, actually yeah. Art of World. Yeah. yeah, we had a canceled yeah. trip to Tokyo that I don't know when it's going to happen. They're at two percent vaccination. Ugh. What the fuck are you doing, Japan? What are you doing? That's crazy. We have no listeners in Japan. Two okay. percent? Yeah, two percent yeah. is. 2%. I read two days ago. Yep, they're at two percent vaccinations. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's uh, ordinarily a pretty. Pretty responsible country yeah. that is yeah. very diligent. And very like forward thinking, scientifically thinking. Yeah, maybe what I maybe the data I read was off, but it couldn't be that far off if they're if people are saying two percent. I read an and, article oh about it that gosh. said it's it's uh, pushing really heavy on the isolationist aspect of Japan where they don't have any borders that cross over with anybody. So they just shut flights down and then they're like, Well, we'll just wait it out while the rest of the world takes sure, a shit. COVID is present. I, so totally. you know, the you think they'd rely on some tourism though to some degree. Yeah. You know, like they have to open up those borders. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The business, yeah. especially. Yes. Like, yeah, they need business travel. So I, was, I mean, I was hoping that sometime this summer I'd mm. be able to organize a trip there. What I'll say, my answer is going to be so our honeymoon, the last international trip we did, uh, well, we went to Lebanon for our Lebanese reception and then we went to Spain. Marnie lived in Spain for uh, a couple of years mm-hmm. and we were able to do the northern Spain to central Spain trip and we were there for two and a half, three weeks, three weeks, I think nice. about three weeks and had a fucking blast. We collected a lot on Michelin stars, Azurmendi and Akalare and, yeah. and Arzac and, you know, the, the restaurant, the Guggenheim, I can't remember the name of that place. They got a star I'm like, yeah. yeah, one star fucking whatever. <laughs> but so, but that place has, a, it's been a mental escape for me. Mm-hmm. I think that meditatively I've coped with, not being as social as I am on a daily basis, never mind like a monthly basis by looking at photos and videos and thinking about the good times that I had and, and recounting how 
Uh, I'm thrilled that I had so many experiences, even just prior to the pandemic, mm-hmm. going to Chicago, going to Vegas for Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. like things like that, where I'm glad I packed in so much good stuff mm-hmm. before yeah. it was like, ha you can't even hug anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and looking back on like the photos and the video that I took on the camera that I previously mentioned yeah. on this episode and being able to just be like, man, just like holding fast mm-hmm. to yeah. those, those like feelings it, it actually makes me, if I weren't already so uh, deeply entwined to that experience because it was my honeymoon, I, had the, I have the added layer, the added epoxy or armor of fantasizing about that trip over this last year and a half. Mm-hmm. And it makes me want to go back pretty yeah. much like right now, you know, not immediately. It's been two years, but now I'm like, dude, I would, I would love to go back and, yeah. and experience not necessarily the same things, but the same place. Yeah. Different things in the same place. Yep. Just because, like, those feelings are, have been resonating in my brain for a while now. Yeah. Uh, coping with the world that we've had to endure over this last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, COVID. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, if we're gonna if we're gonna bring this this plane back into the proverbial airport, I feel like uh, what you have going on with with the pop up and with brunch coming up, a lot of people are going to want to know how to find that and how to get more information. Yes. Uh, where would they Where would they look on the the interwebs and and Googleverse? So we are most active on Instagram, uh, a little bit on Facebook, but on Instagram we're just at Houndstooth MSP. And speaking of airports. Speaking yeah. of airports. Uh, yeah. So at Houndstooth MSP, um, you know, smash that like and subscribe, as they say. Yes. <laughs> uh, Facebook, well, a little bit. We're on there. And then we have our website, which is just houndstoothmsp.com, uh, which uh, you can sign up for our mailing list mm-hmm. right on there, too. And we do email updates. We should be better at doing them more frequently. Yeah, we do. We have done them about quarterly. We don't. Yeah like spam anybody's inbox so it's just kind of like what we've been up to we usually include like a recipe yeah. a travel destination the last just... newsletter was very well put together thank you we got very thoughtful from some people. well written and i and i appreciate that yeah they definitely will not spam you yeah, yeah. we'll let you know when yeah. the brunch is coming up by email so if you join then you'll know but it is most likely to be saturdays in july at yeah, Arbiter beautiful. and the Midtown um, yes. Farmer's Market. Looking forward and to it. And then another, yeah, like another super weird plug. If anyone's going up to the North Shore in late August and you go to... Um, Maybe I am now. Um, Poplar House. Poplar yeah. House. Shout out to um, Brian Gerard, my guy. Yeah. Everybody loves and, Poplar House. And my friend Jackie is, uh, is, is chefing it up up there and she wants to have me out to do... Uh, Either a dinner series or just like a one night kind of takeover thing and just do like a cool like forage dinner and hang out up there. Um, keep your, yeah, just keep, yeah, your, keep, keep, the keep your eyes up on the Instagram. We're mm-hmm. still working out the details on that one, but that's something that's like pretty dear to my heart. Like just to be able to, you know, cook out of what you find in the woods. That's Hell yeah. Cool stuff. Are you, uh, one last inquiry, are you still doing private dining stuff if people want to inquire with you and they're local to the Twin Cities area? Can they yeah. inquire with you regarding Yeah, we've been doing events? quite a bit of private dining in 2020 cool. just with people wanting that dining experience. Um, so it's usually our ideal number. If you're looking to do that, it's kind of like that 10 to 12 number. Not that we wouldn't do a little more, a little less. Um, yeah, like course dinners. Um, we're going to do like an open fire thing for a friend of ours mm-hmm. uh, in July. So, yeah, if you're looking for like a like maybe a big birthday or anniversary, we'll come and cook in your kitchen. It just takes about a day of your time at the most. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're flexy too. We we love doing events like that. Like you know, twenty twenty, all of our stuff got canceled, and a lot of people were really looking for that like exclusive mm-hmm. dining experience. So we actually did quite a few like like home calls where we would give people you know we would do a five course dinner with pairings in someone's home and just cook cook out of their kitchen. So if that is something that folks are interested in, like we we love doing that stuff because it's nice and intimate and it's cool and you know we we'll we'll work with people. Yeah. Subject line, come get this work. Yeah. Come get this work, baby. <laughs> come get this work. Uh, Hashtag house calls. <laughs> Charles, how do, how do we find us? It's, it's right in the description. Just click the, <laughs> click, the, <laughs> click the button. You're on the podcast guy already. Just click the little <laughs> what about, the thing. Uh, what the thingamajig. What about if people, if people want to hear about how to come get your work? They don't want to, but they can find uh, oh, yeah, at Patmos Design. That's my company. And at, it came from the sea is... Me. Perfect. Uh, and I'm most likely all things communist, so just go Google it around. You'll either end up with some cool lefty politics or you'll end up with me. Taser, taser. Here we, <laughs> taser, 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 taser. Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening out there. We love you. Take care. Be safe. And uh, we'll see you next time.